welcome to What the Hex, your source for Warhammer Underworlds in under 30 space zombie infections. I'm your host, Davey, and with me are my co-hosts. I have Skylar, Josh, and Brian this evening. How are you doing, gentlemen? I am no longer garbage set ablaze. <laughs> <laughs> well... You'll always be in my eyes. You're you're at least fifty percent of that. I'll let you pick which. No, that's touching. Thank you, you two. What's up? What's up, guys? Uh, For your context, we are releasing this uh, on the day that Void Curse Thralls, Headsman Curse, and the new starter set all go on pre-order. That's a lot of new content. Uh, we are just one lonely episode. We are going to do our best to cover uh, some of the highlights here, but you can expect in the uh, in the coming episodes to for some more deeper dives into some of these uh, particular uh, topics. Uh, some of us are jazzed about particular things, and so it's going to be a real struggle of wills to see what our, our next things are covered, but more on that later. Uh, of course, you could predict that our topic here is this deluge of new releases uh, and of course, we need to say that this episode is uh, made possible by Games Workshop, giving us a review copy each of these for us to huddle around and uh, uh, throw opinions at each other in order to create content for you, the listeners, uh, and also made possible by all our patrons and uh, and just you listening. Because if you weren't listening, uh, we wouldn't be doing, we'd still be doing all this discussion, we just wouldn't be recording it. Um but uh, because of you listeners, I can throw my bad opinions into the internet yeah, at large. And I have to edit his bad opinions. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to abbreviate just because it's going to be a lot to cover here. We're going to abbreviate our usual sections. I just wanted to make sure to uh, mention uh, uh, R77. So it's a it's a user that we see on our discord that uh, kind of goes by a different handle. Uh, on that versus the blog. So we'll just go with the blog handle. But R77 has a uh, blog and it did a cool thing where uh, he mirrored uh, Sleek's Bowl, did a um, Truth and Claw, where it took Truth Seekers with Tooth and Claw to a Nemesis tournament. Uh, basically, one of these things where you bring the same build and kind of compare results. Uh, I really like that sort of collaborative crossover uh, content sort of thing. I really enjoyed the read, really enjoyed the, um, collaboration, the community building where, where individual creators are kind of lifting each other up like that. So hats off to those guys for, uh, um, making that happen. I thought it was cool. Who else has got something else to throw in? Yeah. The agents of Sigmar, um, have come out with a video that I definitely recommend. Uh, the, uh, video is titled Warhammer Underworlds, but with cards instead of dice what <laughs> and uh they they've got a caption for me here so i'm actually just gonna read that out loud uh ever wondered what playing underworlds would be like with a deck of cards instead of a handful of dice mm. or maybe you're looking for a way to free yourself from the fickle dice gods like pete well here's what it might look like and uh <laughs> you know um it's a it's an extremely interesting concept, and uh, their delivery is a lot of fun. Uh, I recommend checking it out. I, I do like those guys. They were one of the few. Uh, I don't think I'm currently contributing on uh, Patreon because some of my uh, available time kind of uh, dissipated for watching content. But uh, I think in my life, I've contributed maybe two patron things, and those guys are one of them. So uh, salute to them for that. Uh, 
Um, this almost—I mean, it's obviously a huge side. Have, have you guys played Cosmic Encounters ever? That's like deck-based combat. Oh um, my gosh! It's <laughs> so it's the first board game. I'm, I'm a major board gamer for those who don't know, and that's how Brian was able to. Uh, trick me into this wonderful game. Um, <laughs> found, the, found the chink in your armor. Indeed. Not apologizing. Um, but it was the first board game uh, I tried because I'm constantly learning and introducing games to my friend group. Um, and Katie, my wife, um, was uh, new to our group. Uh, so I was kind of introducing her to the group and uh, off the back of a new game. Uh, and that game was indeed cosmic encounter well all um, right and that did not go well, <laughs> well. Uh, p- particularly because that game um has a lot of um diplomacy um you know a lot of table talk and uh you can work through like and leverage your relationships that you have with people at the table so yeah. she she felt um you know as a newcomer to the group uh particularly targeted or excluded from deals and jokes oh, no. and things like that <laughs> so oh, no <laughs> i i still have a copy that's the only game of it i've ever played and um i won't get rid of it at any time we like do a purge um she's like what about cosmic encounters i'm like i no no <laughs> i'm gonna give that game a fair shake one of these days all right all right fair enough uh well we are going to skip our next segment, which is what the heck is going on with you? Because what the heck is going on with us is absolutely nothing. Little peek behind the curtain here. We're recording this uh, hot on the heels of our previous episode. Uh, we have some time constraints with as far as how the releases are landing. Um, so we are going to talk about this right now. We, uh, what, what we've been doing is recording content for you, dear listener. Uh, so let's jump into it. New releases. Uh, and then also a little uh, little inside baseball. Uh, Josh may need to depart this uh, this podcast or maybe even this mortal coil a little bit early. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna start on one of his pet projects here, one of the things he's very excited about. Uh, obviously we as we said, we have the headsman's curse. we have void curse thralls, but uh, Josh really wants to get into that starter set. Um, particularly because he's a he's a good good sepulchral guard boy. Am I right? Yeah, I wouldn't say good so much as I play them. Dabbler. <laughs> I mean, you you have enjoyed them in the past, and so that the, of of the releases, I think that was one of the ones that you were most. Oh, absolutely! With. I am very excited to share yep. good and bad opinions of <laughs> the Seppi G. So yeah, well, and then. Uh, there's also the far strategies in there, Josh. Uh, are they? Yeah, we we'll, uh, we'll have a deeper dive on this starter set later. Uh, our our plan is to um, bring a new or returning player in and uh, try to get a grasp on their experience with this starter set. And uh, I think uh, I think there's a lot to be gained from that. But in the short term, uh, let's get some general impressions of this starter set. Like, what what is your take on this? Like, obviously, it's a big deal. Or potentially, you might think it's a big deal uh, that it's uh, that we have revamped warbands um, and uh, some new things with this box that we haven't seen before. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna send around the horn, Josh, uh, since uh, since I've already brought your name up. Um, what's your, what's your take on the general vibe of this starter set? So the general vibe, I haven't looked too closely at the far striders because I'm I, I feel like 
they don't deserve my attention. Oh, but all right. also you are getting <laughs> muted for the rest of the podcast. Well, uh, it's been nice, folks. <laughs> me, right, me too. <laughs> <laughs> don't tempt me. Oh no! All right, so uh, right off the rip, I I definitely went headlong into CPG because I've played around with them. I've enjoyed my time deck building with them and was very excited to see that they were on the docket for getting a refresh because a lot of their strength depended on a small, small handful of cards. Uh, their basic ability uh, in the uh, in the Warden and whatever prowess the, uh, the championship pool had at the time. Uh, so I wanted to see what they had really done to revamp and reinvigorate this uh, this warband, maybe even resurrect this warband. Uh, the jokes only raise get this worse from here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. So you thought it wasn't this, possible, but they do get worse Help. every day. Every day. Okay. Uh, so my my general feelings on. The, the Seppi G here are that they did them a great service. Okay. Uh, so first off, let's talk about just well, the fighters at large. I'm, I'm going to break you off for a second here. We're, oh, we're going to, no. we're, we're going to get into the uh, uh, war band as a whole right now. We're just doing some quick overview on the starter set as a, as a whole. So Ugh, uh, kill we'll, me. we'll come back around to your sepulchral guard love affair, but uh, uh Brian, you have any thoughts on this this as a a new entry for the starter set? Well, when it was announced uh before we knew the contents of it, uh you I and Phil or you Phil and I at the throwdown were saying is it going to be uh the same with a new rulebook? Like is it going to be Wraith Creepers and Storm of Celestis with uh, updated rules for uh cuz that came out in Dire Chasm. Mm-hmm. Uh so there's a lot to update, um, but then that wouldn't really sell much to players that have been playing since Dire Chasm. Um, it would just offer, you know, a entry level for those Barnes and Noble general market stores. The on the spectrum of like how crazy do they get with this box? We were like, okay, they could do um, a new uh, new war bands entirely, two new war bands entirely which is what I thought they were going to do. And I was like, and on the crazy end of the spectrum, they completely redo two war bands. And uh, I thought that that was something we've speculated in our debate episode. Uh, do they redo war bands or do they just make 2.0 war bands? And they've gone full crazy and they've redone two old war bands. I'm like, this is wild. Mm-hmm. Um, totally, uh, you know, having a stream of new content is always nice but people do have a sincere love for some of these old war bands and seeing them revitalized is incredible. Um, I don't expect that they're going to get around and I, I don't think we should hope for every season one, season two war band to be revitalized. But I think whenever they do a new starter box, if we get two uh, revitalized war bands each year, I think that'd be great and always gives old, uh, players a uh, fingers crossed like oh they're gonna do my love chosen axes <laughs> like you know i i think it's phenomenal i'm so, so excited for it all right what about you skylar well to jump off of what brian just said real quick um the 
the fact that the the new faction or the new versions of Sepulchral Guard and Far Striders are going to have um, proper rivals decks, uh, and so like they're fully built into uh, the rivals format with what they as a faction can bring to the table um, is really exciting. And I've heard a lot of clamor uh, just locally with people I know uh, that are into uh, the older war bands that they wish that, you know, they didn't have to sub in um, a 32 card deck to be rivals legal uh, with some of their favorites. Uh, so um, like Brian, I'm hoping that we get more of these. I'm hoping balloon boys is, uh, um, you know, uh, down the pipeline uh, rather quickly here um, if uh, they continue to do these reworks. But well, Balloon Boys. Paradrine <laughs> Overlords. He doesn't yeah, know the real names. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning. Uh, There's I mean, a Balloon Boy in that warband, Skylar. Well, I mean, he's the leader, right? He's important. He's not <laughs> the leader. This is this is coined by our, oh, um, my gosh. Uh, our friend of ours who plays Caradron Overlords, and he refers to them as balloon boys because of the right. um age of sigma army having units of balloon boys uh, yeah, yeah so yeah. where there's one there's all i guess all right wait, wait a minute though but point of embarrassment did you just tell me that the blue the the ballooner is not the leader no, no. he's not <laughs> oh my gosh he's absolutely not the leader all right well uh walking uh, away this has been a nice podcast uh, <laughs> <laughs> no uh what i'm personally the most excited for in the starter set um is the um play-by-play uh walkthrough uh for new players the the fact that it's its own book um that you can pick up and run through with new players is so exciting to me um and to not only um walk you through a game but also walk through um like w- how um, a small difference in that moment could have impacted the game, I think is really exciting. Um, I think that for many, um, the game can be a bit overwhelming um, to learn all in one leap. Uh, and this is a tool to offload a ton of that, right? It'll actually walk you through, guide you through the game. And um, I'm really excited for people um, to have this tool introducing uh, others into the game, or even those that just discover the game by walking into a Barnes and Noble or where have you, uh, picking up this box and uh, bringing it home um, to be able to have this, you know, electric guide uh, to the game to see what it can be and uh, what type of energy, um, you know, it brings to the table. Yeah, I mean, I think I remember when I was uh, just starting out with the game, like I was really engaged with any kind of battle report I could find, just trying to consume as much. This is basically like a written battle report in the box for you uh, where you can kind of like understand how the game flows and like see how a game progresses. So um, I think it's a really good touch. Uh, I think it's a I mean, this is like a very minor thing, but the front of the box says, a uh, two-player starter set, and I think that's a it's a wise move. It tells somebody Absolutely. who is brand new to it that they can look at it and say, like, well, that's a little pricey. Oh, but it's two players. I can like we don't each have to get this. Like me and my buddy can split this box, and we're good to go. Um, so I think that's good. Or uh, the curious who's you know uh, unfamiliar with Underworlds as a whole can, uh, as a whole uh, can say, oh, I just need one other player uh, yeah. to test this out with. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. 
Uh, and then, uh, for me, I, I did actually put my money on, uh, on a revamp and I'm not sure what my instinct was to that extent, but, um, I like that they're doing a revamp rather than new war bands because, uh, rather than try to in- include like brand new ways of engaging, you know, like I, I'm, we, I think we've all said this on this uh, podcast where we're continually impressed with how they can like come up with a new concept for a war band, but the starter set, this is a way for them to like bring something back that people have been playing for a long time are excited about. Like I'm excited to see two war bands that I remember from way back when, uh, these war bands are effectively new war bands for people who have joined the game anytime in the past, like three years, four years, something like that. Uh, because this, these war bands have not been available for that time. Uh, so this gets new players excited, gets old players excited. Uh, and then it doesn't require them. They can say like, okay, like if we're doing this war band with what we've learned from the game, how would it look now? Um, and so uh, I think it's a, I think it's a pretty masterful move in my, uh, in my opinion on, on how to make this sort of uh, engaging for multiple audiences. Um, so excited for that. I have no idea if this is going to be like a thing where a new starter set every year, um, or, you know, longer than that. And then I think another thing is that, uh, like with no, with no slight intended to the Wraith Creepers and the, uh, Storm of Celestis, uh, those miniatures while cool are a little bit samey, they're a little hard to distinguish. And that's not the case as much for, uh, the Far Striders and Sepulchre right. Guard. Like agree. those are, agree wholeheartedly great showcase miniatures to show this game off. And I think it's a really good choice. And finally, not, not oh, only ahead. are they distinct, yep. um, but the um, Sepulchral Guard are um, by and far away considered to be some of the best skeleton yep. uh, models, you know, GW right. has ever uh, yep. made. Right. And yeah, so it always has general be, appeal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so for those to be in circulation again, both for people already established into Warhammer in general, and yeah. for those enthusiasts that are like, oh my gosh, those would be perfect for my D and D game, and then for them to you know find themselves in the rule book, going, you know what, this game looks pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and the warden and, uh, is notorious for having the sexiest cape to ever cape. <laughs> App saw. Absolutely. Fantastic sculpt. And then finally, uh, I just kind of like that this starter set is a callback to, uh, to the physical location of Shadespire. Uh, also the, the name of the original game, but like, this is where the cataphrane curse began, which has kind of carried forward through many of the seasons of the game. Uh, and a lot of the artwork associated with this, it's got some of that shattered glass, some of that, uh, shade glass artwork all throughout it. So I think that's a, I think it's a great touch. Cataphrane curse? I only I only know the void curse now. Thrum. <laughs> oh my god. Uh all right, but let's get into it. And because we have Josh, who is, I guess, uh skeleton stan, uh let's let's get into the sepulchral guard. Josh, uh we're not going to go there. There is uh, so much to cover right now. We'll do deeper dives on these later, but just give me the overall view of this warband and what's changed just from the fighter cards perspective. Uh, uh, give me, give me that fighter card vibe off the sepulchral guard. I thought you'd never ask. So right off the rip, they did them a great service. And the first thing that I want to point out is they gave shield defensive profiles 
to the fighters that are holding shields. Yeah. I knew this was oh, going to be the first thing that you God. mentioned. <laughs> it's about time, and I yeah. cannot wait for all of the other offenders to get the same treatment. How do you feel about Turash, who has a shield on his back? Does he deserve a shield defense? Uh, so... He deserves no, no love. <laughs> Two dodge. Because, all right, all right. Because... Narvia has the shield defense once she's inspired. Narvia has a shield defense to start, my bow, bro. Oh, she do. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I thought you played yeah. that warband. I yeah. did. I'm, you you I'm know really what we sorry. said about trauma earlier. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the guard. So back to the Seppi G. Uh, the uh, besides the the cleanliness of having you know shield fighters with uh, shield uh, profiles, the uh, they cleaned up and buffed the warden's ability to no longer be dependent on uh, token state. So obviously to activate the warden, you still need to not have a charge token on him, yep. but you can move other fighters that do have tokens. And what this means is a lot of flexibility hot off of the heels of the, uh, the move move and the, uh, the charge abilities that came around with the turn of the season. With Narwood. With uh, with Gnarlwood. And now you can use those nuisance fighters like the Prince of Dusts, uh, the Champion, and the Harvester. You can use them offensively, and then they're not committed to that spot. Mm. You can reposition those with the with the Warden's ability uh, without, like I said, committing to that spot indefinitely, which is huge for a warband that is all about positioning. Yeah, that's super spicy. And it's something I kind of overlooked at just how powerful that was. I, I mostly looked at it as a, like, Oh, I could like uh, move multiple fighters, like these petitioners who all have shields who are now on one block. Uh, and if they get driven off, I can move them right back on. But I love what you're talking about. There were like a charge from one of these, uh, more offensive oriented fighters, uh, including the Prince of Dust who now starts on two damage. Um, they can charge and then you can use that uh, action efficiency to also then grab uh, an objective that's important deeper into enemy territory. Mm-hmm. Or, and one or of the things your own if you want to keep them safe. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing to uh, to keep in mind with that is as you're kind of going through the the updated uh, gambits and upgrades and such, some of them do give your fighters charge tokens. Uh, but I think that's just to keep them from popping up and bonking enemies, which is kind of feel bad because it's like, oh, hey, the skeleton was inside us all along. <laughs> um, I mean, keeps from having those moments. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you can still move them and have them be effective after that. Yeah. Uh, so I think all in all, they got a, a great service to the fighters uh, and, and what they can do as a whole. Yeah. Well, all right. I think we're going to uh, go into our traditional style, which is to uh, look, we're going to give everybody a chance to call out from each category, their favorite, um, favorite objective, favorite gambit, favorite upgrade. Uh, and Josh, since we're already on you, why don't you throw your favorite objective at us? Okay. So my favorite objective is I, I'm going to actually kind of buck the script here. My favorite objective is claim the city. And oh, you know, no. in here, <laughs> they took out claim the city. It wasn't an auto include, 
but it was my personal favorite and and I'm, I'm i'm a little disappointed i don't know what that means i don't know if that means that in certain formats you can take old cards or not uh i'm gonna lean towards not just because i'm a pessimist but that's that's my favorite objective <laughs> all right your favorite objective one that doesn't exist anywhere but for one shining moment in the Ulgu seasons, it was amazing. I, I respect the decision to go no further. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, when we were first looking into these decks, uh, that was the first thing I dove into the Sepulchro Guard objectives to look at and uh, posted it over to Josh, and he was like, "No, <laughs> like I don't have a I don't have a moment right now to confirm that, but like you must be wrong." <laughs> Josh, jokes aside, what is your new favorite? So my new favorite, I don't know if it's going to be an auto-include, but it's very tempting to me. Uh, So the card, Retake What Is Ours, Mm -hmm. it's a duel. So score this in an end phase if your warband holds three or more objectives and one or more of those objectives is in enemy or no one's territory. Yeah. This is... This yes. is shiny, shiny Josh Bate yes. to uh, take the Sepulchral Guard with Fearsome Fortress yes. and just have a marching wall of hello skeletons. That, yes. If if somebody were to have known me while cr- like reinvigorating this warband, this was the the in the artwork. I'm sure if you look very closely, it's to Josh from GW with love. Because <laughs> that is that is absolutely the flavor that I want to take with Seppi G is the marching wall of skellies yeah. trying to create that fearsome fortress. I mean, this lets you double down on supremacy with something that is just marginally more difficult than supremacy. Uh, oh, for right. three. Well, supremacy like, is three too. Oh but, uh, my oh. God. Yeah. Brian. What? Brian, remember, read the card. Yeah. Well, no. but here's it. No. Never. <laughs> Your lack of hold experience is showing. Uh, but, but so like this is helpful in, uh, you know, like we, we talk about it being a slightly worse supremacy, but in Nemesis or Rivals, like it is uh, available there where supremacy is not. And I think this is, this is so close that it's totally worth doubling down on. So yeah, big, big time. Uh, Skylar, you got one for us? I do. Uh, so, uh, coming off the absence of Claim the City, my favorite card is Lay Claim to It All. It's because of the art, isn't it? It's so dope. It's uh, so rad. dope. Yeah. All is for the dead, all is for Nagash. Well, now I can't use that for the flavor <laughs> text quiz. Uh, Nagash, Nagash, did I... Well, whatever. Potato, uh, potato. He's not around to scold me. Um, but this is the um, hold more objective that made it to their deck. Um, and for me, um, it's their little nod to the absence of claim, uh, uh, claim the city, and um, uh, dominant position. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It, it's dominant position folded into this deck. I love that card. I love it here. Um, and um, the fact that they have the warden able to move, you know, two at a time um, to 
get you into position for this. Uh, it feels like it should be here. Uh, it feels like it's going to be strong here, and I'm happy to see it. Nice. Uh, Brian, hit me. So first off, I just want to point out this uh, late claim to it all would be an awesome diorama <laughs> entry. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ooh, wow. Wow. Right. Yeah. I want Stop uh, spending my free time. <laughs> <laughs> you can have that one. You can, by all means, I want you to do that. Stop it. <laughs> uh, so my favorite card, and this is largely inspired by art, but uh, a challenge unanswered. Uh, Alex, uh, score this in an end phase if there are more enemy fighters out of action than there are friendly fighters out of action for two glory. And the art has one of Kagra's Ravagers getting beheaded. <laughs> yep. Uh, with a spear, no less. Um, I, for me, it is, and this is just this is a pure power pick. I think uh, Undying Watchman scores immediately after an opponent's activation step if your warband holds two or more objectives and one or more of those objectives is in enemy territory. So there used to be a... Uh, surge for uh it, it had a different scoring window like you do it after an activation not after enemy uh power step i like that this gives the right to respond uh but it's such a huge payoff that if there is ever the situation where the sepulchral guard are holding one objective in your territory and one in their own you have to respect this like this is too big of an objective to score like they get two glory and they'll get to cycle oof um and I, I think uh, I think that's a really cool high reward uh, for actually like positioning in a way that allows engagement. Um, I think it's a I think it's going to be one of their one of their very strongest, um, but uh, but not busted objectives. Yeah, universally, this card was only worth one glory. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yep. It was worth one glory, but it was uh, the opponent rarely had the right to respond in the way that this one does allow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, although, uh, although with pushes, you know, you can you can set this up where it's pretty uh, difficult to react to. And uh, we may talk about pushes in just a second here. The um, the Grimwatch were featured on that card. What was that card? Uh, right. I, I was I was trying to remember it while I was talking because I knew that question would come up. It was a staple for the time. Yeah. Hmm. Um. That's your flavor text. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh. Anyway. All right. In in the meantime, let's uh let's talk some gambits. Uh, we'll bring it right back around to. Josh, what uh, what gambit are you excited about? Ooh, uh, so there's there's a lot going on with uh, the gambits, and I don't know if I'm particularly excited about one, but they they've done right and kept them going in a consistent direction. A lot of the older war bands, they did a, a decent job of like teeing you up for championship in a way that was, okay, we're going to give you a lot of different options. Are they cohesive? Do they work together? No, but they're all good in their own right kind of way. Um, this seems to be consistent. Uh, so it's a lot of move tech. It's a lot of... Uh, 
revive tech and it's a lot of giving your opponent bad choices. Mm. Uh, so I think the I think the highlights of that I'm going to pick two. Okay. One is terrifying screams because I'm <laughs> really glad that they reined it back from being a a cross board push to being a range two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and pitiless commands, which is choose a friendly fighter with one or more raise counters, push the fighter up to two hexes. Yeah, uh, a push two is strong, but putting it, uh, putting it behind that curtain of, well, one of your fighters has to die first is is just enough tempering for i think both of those to be very valuable picks without being oppressive it really sure. makes it interesting right yeah 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 i like that uh skyler hit me with one all right well i mean josh winnick uh, went ahead and picked two um so i won't do that but uh wow. he definitely limited my choices here let's uh <laughs> by 20 percent <laughs> let's go with bone trap no um mm. so i like that this is a reaction um to going out of action and uh thematically i just really enjoy the idea of um taking down you know one of these uh, mobile brought to life skeletons, right? Um, it's like your punishment for taking one of them down is that they're going to explode in your face um, mm. and deal one damage. Yeah. Uh, Brian, around to you. Uh, so, out of out of a out of sequence attack actions is be- is powerful, right? Uh, so I'm going to go with ceaseless Better. attacks. Uh, ploy reaction, play this after an activation step in which a friendly fighter made one or more attack actions. Choose another friendly fighter. The chosen fighter makes one attack action. Yeah. Seems good. Real Seems good. good. Real good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I That was a staple previously, and I think it continues to be. like it's. Uh, you can really set up some sweet combos with that. Any corrections, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> you said it was good. Enough said. We can't hear him. He's muted. It's fine. Oh. Um, <laughs> all by myself. Uh, for me, I, I'm actually going with Restless Dead, which I know, Josh, has been nerfed. Um, but this is a choose a friendly fighter other than the Sepulchral Warden that is out of action. Place the chosen fighter on an empty starting hex in your territory, then give that fighter one raise counter and one charge token with that last four words being the important ones as far as changes. Um, What I think it does is like not on its own, but in combination with other things, almost changes the tenor of this warband in general uh, because this used to be one of the powerful things that you could figure out with a sepulchral guard because they didn't have a lot else going for them. Uh, at times, you know, like they, they, there were, there were times where they shone for different reasons, but, um, you would be able to do this and then charge with like a souped up fighter. That's no longer available to you because you're very unlikely to have charge tokens on every single fighter in the war band, uh, uh, because they're, they're so numerous. Uh, I really feel like this kind of exemplifies the way they're trying to lead with this war band, which is they're going to hold objectives uh, and score off that. And if you want to kill them, then you're going to unlock the other part of their scoring, which is to do things because they have raised fighters, uh, whether that be gambits, which trigger off of raised fighters or objectives that score because you have raised uh, X number of fighters or a raised fighter has done a particular thing. Uh, and so I think 
like even something as small as that is uh, GW signaling, like this is how we'd kind of like this warband to play, which I, I like quite a lot. Uh, uh, that brings us around to upgrades. Josh, hit me with an upgrade. Uh, let me see here. Please don't take mine this time. Mm, which one's yours? Uh, Skylar, <laughs> hit me with an upgrade. <laughs> a familiar face. I like this card for two reasons. One, the pettiness is <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. Uh, uh, this card is the bounty for the spider is spent glory. So that mm. means <laughs> you're going through the effort of including this in your deck, uh, <laughs> equipping it to the petitioner because it's restricted <laughs> to the petitioner uh, and spending a glory uh, to get it on him uh, just so that if they ever kill the petitioner, it's going to be spent glory. That's just, all right, just chef's kiss. I love that. Um, it's not but, good, but it's petty. <laughs> and yeah, then, you actually you actually stole my card, so I <laughs> wanted to comment. Uh, I love oh, the yeah. idea of charging a petitioner in and then uh, having a glory and uh, upgrading that petitioner. So it's like, yeah, go ahead and kill him. Like, <laughs> if, if they haven't got their seed glory yet, that's really savage. <laughs> Well, and uh, the fact that it's restricted to the petitioner, uh, if the petitioner goes down, um, you can salvage this, um, which um, is like an extra spice to the pettiness of it. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, if all three of your petitioners point. are out, you can start uh, cycling this. That's a that's a good call. Yep. Uh, I, and I like that it's repeatable, so you can just keep raising that same petitioner and they can get stuff, but they won't get any unspent. That's kind of cool. And it, that almost like encapsulates a, a broader theme of this where they really... Found, tried to find ways to make the petitioners a more relevant part of this warband in general. Um, but uh, uh, Josh, we'll go back to you. What you got? Speaking of relevant petitioners and bad segues, mm-hmm. my uh, my upgrade pick is Legacy of Dust. Ooh, uh, yeah. So this is a spicy one, folks. Uh, yeah. Plus one damage to range one attack actions made by friendly petitioners within two hexes of this fighter. If this fighter is is within two hexes of a friendly petitioner, this fighter is supporting that petitioner. And you can put this on the Warden or the Prince of Dust. Holy smokes. Plus one damage, aura, and support to petitioners. That that puts petitioners on effectively hammer profiles with two damage uh, swings what universe are we living in this is this is wild well uh, and it's not just that like uh it, it is it doesn't say anything about attack actions on their cards so if you bring some weapons you know all yep. of a sudden they are hitting yep. really really hard oh it's so spicy yeah i i like that it uh, goes on two different people I like that the manic thing of it going on the prince of dust uh i know eric's gonna like that when he uh, eventually gets a chance to take a look at these so yeah good good pick uh brian i know that your pick got uh snagged from out from under you but uh hit me hit me with what you would pick as your second best so i remember this being strong and i don't know if it's changed at all but i'm gonna call back ancient commander uh, it's upgrade action restricted to the leader. Choose up to three friendly fighters, and the chosen fighters each make one move action. So, upgrading the innate action on the warden's card 
from moving two fighters up to three. Uh, I seem to remember this working the same way in the last deck and being a pretty good staple. uh, Oh, yeah. Has it changed? It has not changed. The only thing that changed was the uh, Warden's ability itself, not depending on uh, fighters without tokens. Right. And this does the same. Yep. What also changed, though, is all the card art. It's dope. So great. Oh my god, yes. I forgot to mention it on the fighters themselves. Yeah. Uh, they all have inspired alt variants. Or art, inspired art variants. Yeah. So all of, like they're in different poses. They've they're the the, the art swords are the weapons are purple. <laughs> yeah, the weapons are glowy, like their eyes are lit up. Like it really it's not anything super groundbreaking but it really drives home that that message of, hey, you killed me. I'm a bit spicy about it. <laughs> and what yeah, a just... cool detail to add into a starter set box too. Right? Because yeah. normally, normally you have to hunt for that alt art, right? You have to have a local scene um, yeah. that's handing that out through an organized play kit or, um, you know, uh, hunting eBay or, you know, to see if you can't find, you know, copies of your favorite warband and all art, but for it to be right in the starter set, um, as soon as you flip that card over, I think that's an awesome touch. Yeah. I mean, it just drives home the idea of inspired, like you're powered up. Cool. Rad. Love it. Absolutely. Uh, mine is no vitals. Uh, and this is a upgrade that says minus one damage from attack actions that target this fighter to a minimum of one other than attack actions with cleave and or knockback. Um, and I just like it for like the, the thematic and narrative aspect of it. Like it's, it's hard to kill somebody who doesn't have any vital organs. Um, and then I like the idea that knock back or cleave is like, well, you're just going to break the bones, you know, to, to do it. So, um, I thought it was cool design. I think it's a powerful card. I think you'll see a lot of it. It's really strong. Um, and, uh, I like seeing cleave and knockback like those kind of uh rules that are a little bit more on the fringe get uh a reason to you know like if for some reason you expected sepulchral guard to be around like well then cleave and knockback are a little bit more important so good call there uh that kind of covers us for uh sepulchral guard and we got any more thoughts i want to share before we move on yeah i've got a question so davy you've been here since the beginning uh through the ups and downs of sepulchral warden how do you think they were before this and how do you think they compare now afterwards? Like if I, we don't do like a tier list, uh, but would you say that they might've been like low C upper D tier or where would you think they were compared to now? I think that's pretty accurate. Um, uh, I, there are, there are players out there that are like masters of this kind of play. I'm not one of them um, that can, sometimes uh find ways to do that like shuby um on the on the discords uh has at times in the past been really good with them uh been able to make them sing even when it seemed like they couldn't um but uh i think this gives them a my my take is that they have like a lot of cool tools uh that uh make them interesting even without the introduction of uh championship like play pool so uh, I'm really excited to see uh, kind of like I was talking about that idea of like 
you know, you can force your opponent to pick their poison. Like you can either let me hold these objectives or you can kill my guys. Either way, you're going to set up something that I want to do. So, uh, I, I like it. I'm excited to see them in the wild. Shout out to uh, Jimmy Malini for oh, yeah. rocking Sepulchral Guard throughout uh, Nether Maze at the very least, but I think Harrow Deep as well uh, during that time when, uh, you know, objective starts uh, upside down and uh, it brings into the game some spicy implications for uh, hold plans. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, Unless there's any objections, we're going to advance to the Far Striders. One uh, more note uh, nope. on both Sepulchre Guard and Far Striders. Um, shout out to uh, Wonderworlds and Underworlds DB. I don't know what your game plan is for <laughs> reworked warbands. Ooh, but, uh, good point. <laughs> I look forward to seeing what you decide on. <laughs> Uh, before we jump into the forest riders, uh, we're going to bid adieu to Josh, who's uh, uh, got the one thing you want out of this episode, which is to talk about Sepulchral Guard, and then he's gone, like Kaiser Sose. So, all right. Night, guys. Night. Uh, all right. Forest riders. Uh, this, these are kind of my babies. Um, I, I played them a lot in season one. Um, and at the time, it was a thing where like they came out and everyone was like, a question mark over your head like i don't think these guys i don't know and so it, in the same way that like phil has been talking about the storm coven where like an interesting puzzle to figure out that's that's what uh drew them drew me to them um the, the really the most significant thing with their fighter cards there's there's a few things with their attack actions like uh they have this ability to like crit uh uh it's um crit stagger on on some of the ranged attack actions is, is kind of like the, the the big thing that uh, wasn't there before uh but uh the big thing is the inspire has changed it used to be they had to end around in enemy territory here now it is uh that they have to make two or more attack actions with different um and different names basically like two different attack actions so like two different can, weapon profiles yeah exactly uh you you could use your uh, and they all have two on their card, but if you happen to upgrade them or give them an illusion or something like that, you have another way around that. So um, what I like is it doesn't dictate a positioning choice because it's just so punishing if you were trying to inspire and had to like run into enemy territory when you're fighting somebody who is like, yes, please run at me. That's amazing. This, this gives you a little bit more flexibility. Um, and so uh, I don't know if it's an upgrade or a downgrade um but it is a more flexible uh option right in my opinion so i was excited about that um and i'm looking forward to seeing him in uh, in practice uh as far as i'm gonna i'll, I'll start this off since I've, i'm already doing it um the objectives i would say of of the uh the card overhauls i think their objectives have were were the weakest aspect of their their new deck there's a, a lot of stuff here that's kind of tough to pull off um or or not uh like the the game plan it kind of pushes you into some tough choices or needs you to uh, succeed on more dice rolls than you want to do so uh but uh i will go with um I'll go with a veteran marksman. This is score this immediately after a friendly fighters range three plus attack action that resulted in a critical hit. Uh, it is quite possible you will make 
four three dice attack actions in any given turn, maybe more with Gambit support. Uh, and that is 12 dice uh, that one of them needs to roll a crit and you'll score this. So uh, I, as I guess that's not technically true because it needs to be a critical hit. So if you roll just one crit and your enemy rolled like a crit death, then uh, then this won't land. But um, I think this is a, a way to score something for just doing what you're trying to do. And that's always a good, good kind of surge to have. So uh we'll go with brian brian you got a you got an objective you want to call out i did uh but you took it so i'll just go one step further with the judgment of sigmar Mm -hmm. surge score this immediately after a friendly fighter's range three plus attack action takes the target out of action so uh still doing what they want to do uh using those ranged attacks this one's just for a kill so nice dependent um arguably uh, I don't know if that's more or less dice dependent than hoping for a critical. Um, you just gotta hope you got a target available. Yeah, I I think with uh, Far Strider getting inspired, this is almost like if this isn't happening, then you're in trouble. So, yeah, yeah. and with uh stuff like Glory Seeker, uh, for us, uh, for, they are already grievous. Oh, could you just start stacking a bunch of grievous sources? Could. Mm-hmm. That, that used to be the way with Farstrider. Get uh, right because Grievous used to got, stack, and then they stopped stacking, and then started stacking. Yep, right. uh, yeah, because you used to get him inspired, and then get uh, Glory Seeker and uh, Fighters Ferocity on him, and then if you roll a crit, he's doing four damage with his bird. Gotcha. Yep, real cool. All well, the stagger uh, and stuff like that, uh, even with barge and stun, like sure. accuracy bonuses to them. That's great. Big time. Fish for that crit. Yeah. Skylar, um, we've taken both the range attack surges. Anything left for you? <laughs> you know, uh, funny enough, I was like, okay, he took veteran marksman. Um, okay, I'll queue up with uh, Judgment at Sigmar. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, so what I will jump in with is a reliable end phase. Um, okay. So... Uh, if you're going to rock one glory end phase cards, uh, you want to make sure that they're nice and reliable um, so that you can score them out uh, regardless when you get them, and especially if you get them in round one. Um, and uh, here uh, I'll call out Flash of Light. Uh, score this in an end phase if one or more friendly fighters are each in an edge hex in enemy territory. Um, mm. So um, knowing that's in your deck, uh, you can easily game plan to have somebody cross no man's land and just sit on the closest to your territory edge hex just across that line um, to score a nice cool uh, one glory with flash of light um, or uh, you might get lucky and you might have uh, aetheric paths in your hand as well yeah. um, to help make um, setup more interesting for yourself uh, and you can you know uh, place the fighter that you plan to score this with um, in the back on an edge hex out of out of reach and uh, play etheric paths later to to get them into that position for you. Actually, you know what? Um, choose a friendly I'm- fighter in an edge hex and more than one act one hex from each enemy fighter. Um, it's not actually looking if you've got a move or charge token on you already. So right. um, yeah, you can even make um, you know, if you if you draw both, uh, if they're past part of your aggressive uh, game plan here, yeah, 
uh skyline want to make that your gambit choice uh i'm down with it that would be <laughs> my gambit choice uh it's super cool i think there's a ton of stuff you can do with this i think uh hidden pads when it existed was a big deal for them and i think now they have a somewhat version of that in-house i think that's uh, pretty incredible that penalty the charge token used to be really bad now um mm-hmm. if everyone's charged out not as big a deal and especially you can when with a three band too, right? Yeah. You can be charged with out with um, your other two fighters, yeah. play etheric paths um, going into your turn on your third fighter. Uh, and you're like, charged out? Uh, like, or, you know, charge tokens? What do you mean I'm charged out? We're good here, yeah. right? Yeah. Like all of a sudden um, you've not only appeared behind them, um, but you're ready ready to play. Yeah, I don't include. Uh, Brian, I'm assuming that was going to be your choice. So what what else would you pick? <laughs> uh that was definitely a pick for card art but for my gambit mm, it will yeah. be raptor strike yeah, uh yeah. little bias for dread pageant even if hanzu hanzu's <laughs> getting got uh that's his job uh so gambit uh choose one enemy fighter within four hexes of a friendly leader deal one damage to the chosen fighter uh so now that we have salvaged this has very little risk I think. Uh, well, interestingly, this can't be salvaged. It is nope. not actually restricted to a leader. Oh, it requires a restricted box, eh? Yeah. Yep. Yes, it does. Um, and Raptor Strike is a <laughs> reprint. It's an oldie and a goodie. Yeah. Mm. So still popular. I take it you don't always have to risk your leader that much with this warband, or you don't have to unless your opponent's really gunning for him? I, I think the leader is, uh, in, in the past, uh, keeping, like the the warband really went a ton through far strider it, it could do okay through others but it was at its best if you got far strider inspired and were, was able to do a bunch of work with far strider so um i i think uh you're safe to take this card i think it's a really good pick because if you're losing far strider you're making mistakes mm-hmm. uh that bird is big also as a big boy yeah uh, for me, I'm going with Ranger's Advance, and that's because this is a card that was pretty good, but got really good. Uh, it used to be uh, choose two fighters and push them each one hex, uh, something along those lines, like you'd have to have two fighters alive. It is now choose up to two friendly fighters and push each chosen fighter one hex. So this is a uh, sidestep, but better. Uh, sidestep's already really good. This is like a double sidestep. But if you are somehow down to one, which often actually happens with this sort of three fighter warband, uh, then it's not dead in your hand, which makes it incredible. So big choice to me. It's not even their only one that is a sidestep, but better. They have another one in the deck. Um, and that's great. Brian, we're going to go around to you on upgrades. You got an upgrade you like? Yes, sir. I'm going to take the one that Skyler would probably have picked. <laughs> uh, incredible stamina uh, upgrade reaction. Mm. Before this fighter's activation, remove one move or stagger token from this fighter. You can only use this ability once per round. Uh, Seems pretty useful, at least for getting rid of stagger tokens. Uh, This, I think, could also make uh, delving a bit more reliable. Uh, So say you have a sudden revelation and you flip it, you cause a stagger token and you score a sudden revelation, you can then take the this activation to get rid of that stagger token flick it back to a uh objective if you need that uh mm. so 
couple couple ideas come to mind as well as I think there's a toxic terror nasty poison that uh, gives you a move token reducing yeah. the amount of charges you can do or if you need to have all your fighters charged out uh, it could be a good way around that um, seems seems flexible I think it's I think it's all right um, I, yeah it's just I think neat. that's cool especially in a three fighter war band where you may be trying to like pilot a lot of stuff through the one fighter uh for or me even uh you could even use this to flee like say uh your one of your fighters are endangered throw this on them and run away and then they can make uh another either run even further back or charge back into the fray yeah i mean you could always stack moves anyway but like the ability to move and then use this to charge uh, charge after that like yeah. really extends your threat range yeah good call uh, I am going to take Watchful Advance as another upgrade that grants a reaction. This is after this fighter's activation, in which this fighter made one or more move actions, give this fighter one guard token. Uh, this is a warband that can get on two defense dice based seems on their really good. This card yeah, seems really good. This card's excellent. Yeah, and then uh, this is also because of uh, one of their objectives and because of uh, the gambit that Skylar already mentioned, the Etheric Pass. Uh, they kind of end up in edge hexes, uh, being on guard in an edge hex is particularly important because it's the place you're most likely to get trapped either just because somebody has a range two or three and they can uh, engineer that or they move a fighter in and have a range one situation. Um, the ability to make sure that ties are not losses for you is, is a big deal. Um, so if you're going to be hanging out on the edge of the battlefield, uh, guard is good. Um, and if you are trying to inspire by charging in and making a range one attack action, you may be forced next to a lethal or something like that. So yeah, great one. I like this a lot. Skylar. Yeah. Give me one. Uh, I'm going to actually be able to piggyback off of yours, okay. uh, with lone warrior. Yeah. Uh, so rolls of a single support are successes in this fighter's defense rolls. Mm. Um, I like this for a few reasons. Uh, one, I really like that it synergizes uh, with watchful advance. You can run both in the same fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly, um, I like the synergy with guard. Uh, even if you're not um, running watchful advance, um, you can uh, put this fighter on guard, right? And this card isn't going to take away from the benefit of on guard, make it redundant, make it feel like, ah, oh, no, I've already got an upgrade doing that. Um, I like, I feel like a lot of defensive bonuses will kind of push you towards like um, you're already on shields and you're going to get that extra dodge result. Um, yeah. So to, yeah, uh, to let guard tackle that dodge result or that uh, shield result for you and benefit you that single support. Um I think that's that's really great in this warband. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, leaving this starter set, and uh, again, we will return to that with a, uh, a playthrough. We're going to try and get, uh, like I said, a new or returning player in where we'll get you uh, either their take or maybe even a battle report. We'll see how it all plays out uh, with the new set. Uh, but we are going to hit up the new warband, Headsman's Curse. We've seen this warband. We've seen the preview for it. Uh, we We know some things to expect. Uh, but not everything. And Brian's going to break down the overall, uh, give, give us a broad take of this warband and anything we ought to know from these fighter cards. All right. So this is, I, I think this is death's version of an assassin warband and particularly in the GW grand Alliance of deaths, uh, style, which is that kind of Nagash, uh, 
toll keeper Hades like tracking his souls and what he's due. Uh, so they're uh, they're the headsman's curse. Uh, they the flavor text. If I should read the card, sure. The headsman's curse has come. Nothing shall stay the bite of the dread blade terminus, for it was fashioned long ago by Nagash himself and has a vile sentence of its own. Damned souls surround it, bound to serve as judge, jury, and executioner. Their former identities are subsumed into the great sword's necromantic magic. Always there is one to wield the blade, one to sharpen its edge, one to bear the headman's block, and a scripter to sentence the condemned. No matter the crime against the supreme necromancer, the sentence is always the same. Death. So Sounds cool. When I saw another ghosty death warband was coming out, I was just like, I mean, okay. And then I read their lore, uh, as Brian just read to you, and it hooked me instantly i love the idea that there's always one in each of these roles around this sword as if you know you were to extinguish one then another soul would replace it to fill that role yeah they did a great job with the background on this one i agree uh so like a broad overview um like i said i think this is death's version of an assassin warband there are no assassin keyword fighters in here um mm-hmm. but i still think thematically um i i would dare to say that i think aside from i think uh Ephilim's pandemonium this is my favorite concept to mechanic warband mm. uh oh so very cool so for this warband they come with their own plot card uh, the Headsman's Curse. So when using the Headsman's Curse, show this card to your opponent in the reveal your warband step and use these rules in the game. Awaiting execution. If a fighter with a condemned counter would be given a condemned counter, it is that additional condemned counter is removed. So each fighter that is condemned can only have one condemned counter. Justice is served. When an enemy fighter with a condemned counter is taken out of action, gain one condemned counter. So it's kind of like Bone Tithe, but you have to put the Condemned token on them first. Mm. Uh, thinking uh, Kanan's Reapers, uh, Bone Tithe. Uh, well executed. After a friendly fighter's attack action takes an adjacent target out of action, gain one Condemned counter for each of the following that are true. That action, that attack action was supported, and the target was a large fighter. So, in summary, uh, this warband wants to condemn a target and then kill it to gain that token. And ultimately, as we'll get into, that will trigger their Inspire. Yeah. Uh, So, I think critically to note here is you won't get a condemned counter from a target unless they were supported or they were a large fighter or they were killed and they had a condemned counter on them. Yeah. But if you have all three of these, then you will get three condemned counters upon so, that fighter's death. And that being their inspire after power step, you have three or more condemned counters. And I think this, uh, I like my initial take is like, that's a very different thing from previous night hunt war bands who had, uh, at various times during the history of underworlds, notoriously easy inspire conditions. 
Um, and I, I think it's a little bit more work to get these guys inspired. Right. Like the, the Banshees seemed pretty easy. Uh, Wraith Creepers just had to be within two hexes of them. Like, yeah, notoriously easy. So my initial read of this was like, oh, my God, these guys are going to be a lot of work. I don't know. Uh, you got to put a target on that fighter's head and then you have to go and fight for it. But right. We'll get into so. Uh, yeah, to, to inspire, right, you have to take minimum, you know, one fighter out of act, uh, action. And, it, you know, the hard way is th- uh, three fighters out of action, um, but you can minimize that to, you know, even two if you can manage mm-hmm. to take down uh, either a large fighter um, that's been condemned or a supported fighter that's been condemned. Um, With support. Right, right. Um, yeah, the, the fact that well-executed... Um, both the, you know, your target that was just taken out of action, um, by an attack, you know, was supported or was a large fighter. The fact that that doesn't require them to be previously condemned, um, is some good flexibility, um, that I think they're going to need, um, to reach inspiration. Yep. So as the narrative, uh, card stated, there is a wielder, there is one to sharpen the sword. There is one to bear the block, and there's a scripter to condemn. Uh, so starting off with the leader, the wielder of the blade, uh, doesn't actually have a name of his own. Uh, he flies. He has movement four, two dodge, uh, five health. His one attack profile is the sword terminus. Range one, two hammers, three damage with a reaction blade bound. So blade bound is a reaction. After this attack action takes the target out of action, place a friendly fighter that is out of action in a hex adjacent to this fighter. Then give that fighter one raise counter and one wound counter. So there's your respawn mechanic. The sword takes its soul and gives you a soul back. You, there will always be one wielder, one sharpener, one bearer of the block. Uh, so as you lose fighters, you theoretically will restaff this sword's supports. I love that this uh, soul is nameless. I mm. love that they only have access to the attack profile terminus. I think it's hilarious to imagine an additional attack profile like, um, you know, spare fist of fury or like feeble blade, <laughs> you know, like as if like their sole purpose wasn't indeed just terminus. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, notably, after they get three command counters, he inspires up to five move from four, uh, and his blade gains an extra damage going to four. Yeah. Everything else remains Spicy. the same. Spicy. Yeah. 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 And Only like they stick around with that two dodge, five wounds right out of the right out of the gate. Yeah, it doesn't suck. A large fighter on two defense dice. Ooh, sign me up. So if he's your respawn mechanic, you know, I'm going to be a little precious with him. But at the same time, like, he's the one who you want to do the chopping. Um, so my thought, with only two hammers, I'm going to be looking for accuracy uh, to add to this warband. Yeah. Uh, so trying to move a little bit faster, but I do have to cover the scripter because this is the condemned mechanic. Uh, so the other three fighters are all chain rasps. Uh, and the scripter is a chain rasp with fly uh, movement for one dodge three health Uh, furious indictment is his range three two hammers one damage attack action with the reaction condemn 
reaction after an activation step in which this fighter made this attack action. Give the target one condemned counter. Key Ryan, to note. What? Did I just did I hear the word successful attack <laughs> action there? I, I I seem to be missing the word successful. You said that right. I read the card, didn't I? Don't make oh, me read it again. Snap. Are you telling me that it doesn't care that it, if it was successful or not? No. And when I first read this, I was like, oh, my God, I have to get a successful attack off on this. And then I can go after that guy. So I have to keep furious indictment, like just wicked finger pointing at them. But like if it fails, it's like, OK, never mind. Maybe. <laughs> no, no. He has a wicked point, And sometimes it even causes enough dread to cause a wound. Love yeah. it. Yeah, um, it is a reaction, so be mindful of reactions that you uh, give to this warband in case you uh, block your own reaction with this. That's a good point. Uh, uh, so on Inspire, he goes up to two dodge. Uh, he gains stagger on his uh, furious indictment, so <laughs> he becomes even more, you, he throws your middle name in there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I like that these other two like just kind of provide those benefits. So the bearer of the block is uh, if he supporting you is giving you cleave, uh, right? And then adjacent fighters can't be on guard. And then the sharpener of the blade can like take an action to increase damage and in, to the next successful attack action. So if you miss, then you haven't burned your your uh, sharpening thing. Oh, this that's where like, they put the word successful. Uh-uh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Oh, and that's a that's a beneficial place to have it because uh, you don't want to burn it on a missed attack. Absolutely. Um, what I like is the idea that you can like have this warband that charges up for this like super important attack, and then right. make sure it happens. Like you'd be pretty, really dramatic cool. and just be like first activation, <laughs> second activation, <laughs> just sharpen it up, and because it stacks, and you can take yeah. uh, like first round, you can make the bearer of, or the wielder of the blade have a five damage attack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Important to note because of the respawn mechanic, the respawn puts a wound token on them. So it doesn't make them vulnerable, but it comes back with a wound on them. The scripter has three, so he'll respawn with two. The bearer of the block has four. Chonky boy comes back, you know, responds with three. Um, And then the sharpener is the two wound fighter uh, with minion keyword, if that matters later. Um, And, so he'll respond vulnerable. Uh, the bearer yeah. of the block, I think, is notable because he has a two damage attack, and on inspired, he goes up to three. So he's pretty good backup. And like he said, uh, if the bearer of the block is uh, supporting the attack action uh, from a friendly fighter, the range one, range two attack actions have cleave, and the enemy fighter cannot be on guard. So I just imagine he's holding the big, heavy block, headsman block up behind the target's neck, like, <laughs> <"Here, my lord." laughs> and he's the second healthiest. So if you're going to have any, you know, of the chain rasps uh, supporting the attack, he's he's the one to, to get into the mix and take a blow. Good, good absolutely. Uh, All right, Brian, I know you have any number of favorites, but uh, we're going to steal them from you. Uh, Skylar. You can try. <laughs> Skylar, do you have an objective that you want to highlight out of this warband? Uh, I do indeed. Eager <laughs> assistant. Score this immediately. Surge, score this immediately after the second or subsequent successful supported attack action made by friendly fighters in the same phase for two glory. Spicy. 
spicy indeed. <laughs> do what we want to do. Exactly. Do Second or subsequent so successful supported attack action. So that's they fit the word successful in here again. Um, yeah. Made by friendly fighters in the same phase. That's that's pretty great, right? If you can just land two attacks and make sure you got the supports to do it. Uh, I mean that 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 can be an ask, right? But the fact that they're willing to um, spike that up to two glory for you means yeah. um, people are going to take this and they're going <laughs> to they're going to try for it. And I'm I'm all about that play. Well, and this is a warband that has some support uh, support for support uh, in in your power deck. You have ways to uh, in, increase the number of attacks that you have that are getting support, which then cascades into being more likely to actually be successful at these attacks. So and. Uh, it, I also was thinking, like, if you have, you know, big heavy hitter swinging uh, for big damage, like, you really need to make those land and count so all the supports you can get would be beneficial, especially with the bearer of the block. Um, and I was like, man, some push tech would be great. Oh, boy. You got it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. boy. So, Davey, before we get into why I'm also so excited, let's get into what I'm still excited about, more objectives. What's yours? Um. So I kind of like off with their heads. Um, and I, I like it because I like this thing that they're doing now. Uh, well, obviously the art is amazing. Oh here. yeah. It's a uh, Gore Hulk. Just uh, not, not just losing his head. His head is like out of the picture frame here. Um, but this thing that they do with uh, objectives now where there is this kind of like uh, you can score it with this, but if you score it in this other way, it's worth even more. And so it's uh, after a friendly leader's attack action takes an enemy fighter out of action. Uh, because your leader starts on three damage, this is very likely to happen. Uh, but it gets you an additional glory if that enemy fighter was a leader. So if you can line that up, which you're trying to do probably anyway, uh, then this is a two glory surge. We've seen this before. Like um, this is a better uh, dual uh, champions duel. I don't know. There, there was a... Uh, uh, there's a victorious duel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Not uh, only is... is victorious duel the card now, swift capture was the card from before. Oh, you're yep, yeah, yep. Oh, <laughs> um, right. Well, I got there eventually. Yep. I well now it's now it's not going to be the flavor text quiz. <laughs> um, That's twice now tonight. <laughs> I keep oh, sniping. I, I, I have it. I have it lined up and highlighted in another tab here. Uh, um, cause it's a cool quote, but, um, guess it's not. not I, anyway, I also so, really like this design space, Davey. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so absolutely. This, this is victorious duel, but with a, Hey, if you can't quite line that up, here's something else that makes it worthwhile. Um, and so I think it's a, I think it's a really clever design on this. So big, right. big fan yeah. of it. Absolutely. And yeah. once again, it's do what you want to do. Get a kill with your leader. You already want to do that and get an additional if it's a leader. It's so it's yeah. And yep. the um, like the just the, the narrative, right, of like, I'm going to grab an extra glory off your leader, off of yeah. your leader's head. Right. Like, yeah, um, going into a, a fight with this warband, it's like, oh, I might want to hold my leader back a little bit until I see off with their head. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, well, Brian, have we taken all the good ones? Is there anything <laughs> left? <laughs> uh, quick card art uh, shout out to All Rise. Don't sleep on this art. Uh, 
Ephilim has some Technicolor blood there. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, Great touch. Cool. Uh, but my favorite is, I think I've seen this meme before. Uh, this card is Gather a Crowd. Surge, score this immediately after an activation step. If three or more friendly fighters are within two hexes of the same enemy fighter. Duty for mm. some, light entertainment for others. <laughs> uh, listeners, let me know. Does this uh, card art remind you of a meme? I think it does. Uh, but let me know. <laughs> but uh, as I was hinting at, uh, do they have push tech? Yes, they have push tech. Uh, the this seems super easy this seems like it's really promoting a hard counter punch war band and yeah if you're an aggro band going up against them it is a terrifying prospect to charge into them to begin with and this just makes it even more feels bad like yeah so what i like about this is that uh often in a war band like this uh i might try to like nibble at the edges uh, if I'm feeling conservative, but if I think I see the opportunity, I might try to dive the leader and this, uh, just the possible existence as this says, like you can try to dive the leader, um, uh, but you are going to pay a price if you do so, because you may end up triggering gather a crowd. Uh, there's not much worse than letting somebody else score a surge, uh, when you are taking the activation. Yeah. And yeah. even if, even if you're having to invade, uh, I think they've got, tech to support it mm-hmm. so i don't think it's yep. a bad pick so yep. i think brian is seeing memes where brian wants to see memes but um <laughs> i i agree with I asked my wife and she agreed <laughs> i uh i think this is a really strong um surge especially in rounds one and two it becomes much less so in round three um but surges should get the the ball rolling so uh, i'm behind this one mm. yep uh, well, let's move on to gambits. Um, I, I'm going to go with a uh, condemned step forward for mine. This is choose two fighters that are adjacent to each other. One or more, of which is an enemy fighter place each fighter in the hex that was occupied to the other fighter. When you chose them, give each chosen enemy fighter one condemned counter. So this is a way to set up those kills that will get you towards your inspire or possibly an objective that we haven't uh, discussed, but sometimes just having like a confusion uh, is pretty amazing. So I think there are multiple applications for this. Um, it, it can be just setting up an attack. It can be, uh, messing with the enemy, like getting them out of the spot that they want to be. Uh, I think it's a cool little tech piece that is sometimes fine and sometimes amazing. I think that this card would have been good enough at an infaction confusion, but the fact that it also adds a condemned counter onto yep. the enemy fighter is incredible. Yep. Yeah. Or, or, or two, um, uh, if uh, two fighter, two enemy fighters are unfortunate enough to be hanging out next to each other. Sure. Uh, Skylar, what would you pick for a gambit? So my absolute hands down favorite gambit for this war band, uh, is scapegoat. I, I cannot love this card enough. Uh, (laughs) and I'm going to start with the flavor text. Uh, no, no. Uh, I'll end with the flavor text. Uh, choose an enemy fighter. The chosen fighter has a wounds characteristic of five, unless it would be higher. Um, so it's not going to flex somebody with five, um, you know, six or seven wounds down to five. It's only going to bring somebody up to five. Um, this effect persists until the end of the round. Give the chosen fighter one stagger token. 
and one condemned counter. Um, so before I read the flavor text, um, this card says, um, get on board with the condemnation game plan. Give us as many tokens as we can get from you, right? So if yeah. a one dodge you know, fighter um, feels compelled to charge into this warband, they might find themselves quickly turning into a large fighter, which is going to get them an extra condemned token if they can take them down. Um, it's going to assign them a condemned counter already, which means if they take that fighter out, they're going to withdraw that condemned counter from them, um, putting them at two. And if they're able to support that attack, that's three. Like scapegoat alone can get this fi- uh, warband inspired off of two attacks, um, yeah. right? Um, or or less, you know, depending on plus one damage upgrades. And then, and then this card goes a step further to just cement itself as an awesome card because it includes the flavor text: <laughs> guilty? Question mark? Preferable? Innocent? Impossible? Within reach? <laughs> perfect (laughs) i love this card it's my favorite out of the set uh i love the design space and it's like it does offer this um warband the viability of like say they had a large fighter that you were targeting and then they managed to flee them get them away or something and um you can just be like all right i'll pick on the little guy then uh or if it's a really hard castle you can pick you know, one of the wall fighters instead yeah. of one of the guys behind, you know, yeah. if, if you're fighting a castled up FLM, you can pick on one of the changers instead. Well, and one yeah. of the best things about it, I think is, uh, sure. It gives you a chance, um, uh, to take down a large target, uh, and get that extra, um, you know, condemned counter LT. from a large target. Um, sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> it'll tee up, um, an extra glory in the bounty department as well. But if, um, let's say your follow-up attacks miss against your target, um, but you were able to get, you know, two, three damage off, right? And it was a two wound or three wound uh, target to begin with. As soon as the round ends, they're going to die anyways. And this card at the at a minimum put a condemned counter on them. Um, so you're going to get that um, oh, condemned counter and reward just when they fall out of action. Um, hopefully the stagger token, you know, is helping you, um, secure the kill in that large fighter status. But if it doesn't, you know, at least you're getting that single kind of counter off the target. Yeah, I missed that. Um, here, Here's a very uh, kind of stealth slash corner case thing, but there are a number of upgrades in the game that uh, may not be applied to a large fighter. And with the new rules... Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's longer. a corner case. That's an excellent case. Wow. Yeah, so uh, I think Rippas are going to get punished by this, uh, not not oh, so much, uh, because you can uh, if they have any upgrades on them that break if their fighter is large, you can this will make them large and and break those uh, break those upgrades. Fantastic! Like me and Skyler have discussed this card quite a bit already, and I I hadn't even considered that. I thought this was card was already amazingly flexible. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I hadn't uh, considered that either. And it's also a choose, so if they have illusions, screw those too. Yep. Yep. I mean, it'll inspire, yeah. um, you know, your Spike Claw Swarm Skaven, right? So, I mean, oh, no. <laughs> uh, I put that in the cons column. 
Yeah. <laughs> Trash. <laughs> All right. Zero out of five. Uh, I, are we just on you, Brian? What do you got? Yep. So there are a ton of push techs, but we know what push tech does. It's it's great. They even have an infection and we hidden path. Here on this podcast. But oh, I love push. Um, but they even have an infection hidden hidden paths. Uh, but I want to talk about you must serve. Uh, mm. the design space for this respawn card, I think is fantastic. So you must serve place a friendly chain rasp that is out of action on a starting hex in your territory. Give that fighter one raise counter. Then if the, if there are four surviving friendly fighters, give this fighter wound counters until that fighter is vulnerable. So what that means is, is that if you're doing well and all of your fighters are alive, now that you've respawned this guy, he's vulnerable. Because it's like, dude, you're already doing all right. But if you are getting kicked in and you don't have, you have another fighter that's out of action at least, this fighter comes back on full health. That's a crazy, I, I love that. Like, because we've seen uh, respawn mechanics where it's at full health be pretty uh, oppressive. Uh, and then cards that are respawn with on vulnerable. Uh, granted, that was a universal card that could be used in any uh, death war band. That even got restricted because you could bring back a four-wound vampire. This could bring a four-wound bearer of the block back. Um, it just can't be used on the wielder, which I think is smart. Yeah. I I, I like the nuance on this card. I, I like... We've seen a lot of uh, resurrect gambits um, over a number of different death war bands, and I guess... Um, you know, spike laws as well. But, uh, uh, I, I like that, how they've kind of refined that design to, uh, create a pretty balanced card. Cause then it's uh, like, even, even if your attack actions aren't landing, you can't even get a swing to kill with your wielder to spawn them the normal way with the soul bound, uh, or whatever his reaction is. But yeah. this allows you a, uh, no dice required respawn. Yeah, something I've been noticing with the release drop that we're getting um, uh, with the starter set with Headman's Curse, with um, Void Curse Thralls, um, there's a lot that I, I don't normally um, attach myself to uh, the narrative meaning behind the cards. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know if I've been missing out and it's just recently struck with me. Um, but uh, when a card is able to not only um, like be interesting from a mechanical standpoint, but to fit into this awesome narrative space as well and tell a story, um, it really elevates the card for me. And like I said, I, I don't, I don't know if like that's been going on all along and I'm only tapping into it now, but you know, you must serve like, wow. Uh, the, the flavor text here, the, the ability, um, the fact, you know, that there, there must be four, um, serving the sword is just fantastic yeah like i said one of my favorite war bands uh from concept to mechanics translated so well yeah definitely absolutely um oh and that flavor i, sh I should spell that out real quick um is uh, uh for you must serve brian's pick here uh bound determinus the anguished dead arise at its command oof oof i love the idea that this war band of ghosts is really just a sword <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool take. Uh, uh, the idea of um, Night Hunt, uh, I think, has been 
I, I, this feels like the most night haunty night hunt war band that there is. You know? It's um, very grim. And the yeah. art is also uh, haunting. Yeah. This release yep. is making me think I need to tap into the story phase a little more. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Fair mm, enough. Indeed. I do think uh, that GW's Grand Alliance uh, death is my favorite aspect of Age of Sigmar. I think their death factions are some of the most unique in fantasy um, in the way that they make death more relatable and also um, just really interesting takes. Mm. Instead of just a curse here, uh, a necromancer there. Yeah, yeah, but. yeah. Uh, I In that respect, there was a novel that came out with the... Um, uh, with the season two of AOS, like the 2.0, I think it was Soul Wars, and that is a really good insight into uh, death in general and Night Hunt as well. Um, and I thought that was a really well written one. If I'm not mistaken, it's a Josh Reynolds, which is one of our favorites over on the story phase. But sign me up, um, I'll have to give that a read. All right, done and done. Uh, but we are on to upgrades. I'm gonna read you an upgrade. Um, I, there are, I feel like this is maybe the category that is not quite as exciting as some of the others, although there's some great ones in here. Right. Um, but uh, I will go with a lurking crony. When a friendly fighter adjacent to this fighter makes an attack action, the fighter supports this fighter. Uh, it's restricted to chain rasps. Uh, this provides a lot more flexibility with where you position your fighters to get those supports. Um, and so that helps with your, uh, gaining condemned counters. Uh, and it also lets you support, like if you're just trying to do some chip damage with the, um, uh, the, uh, scripter who's doing those long range things, like it suddenly becomes really easy to make him fairly accurate, uh, inspire him just by standing next to him, uh, is, is not too hard. So, uh, I think that's a, a, a low key, fairly powerful upgrade. And I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah, uh, I think it's great. Uh, and they have the bearer of the block, like actually yeah. supporting the oh, wielder. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like he's fist pumping behind yeah. the, the wielder. He's the like, blower. yeah, go. <laughs> you're, you're so great. I love you. <laughs> yeah. uh, Skylar, what, what do you like for upgrades here? Uh, my favorite upgrade in here is job satisfaction. <laughs> okay. I am a little mad at you for this one, but yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, a plus uh, card title. Uh, Absolutely. Great. And this is another card where everything comes together. Uh, the art paired with the name job satisfaction is fantastic. Um, the flavor here is Terminus only wants one thing and it always gets what it wants. Um, and our reaction here, um, it is reaction uh, upgrade. After an activation step in which this fighter made one or more attack actions, give this fighter one guard token. And that is an awesome ability. Um, <laughs> uh, the rest of the card aside, uh, especially when you take a look at their defensive profiles and you see that um, all of them inspire into two dodge and some of them inspire or sorry, some of them start on that two dodge. Um, two of the four start there, um, the rest get there. So being able to flex from uh, flex from dodge uh, over to dodge and guard um, or block um, is just 
fantastic. Yeah. Love it. Uh, Brian, that leaves you with a final choice for this war band. What do you got? So just brief shout out. They have an infection, uh, Great fortitude. They have an infection. Great strength that's restricted to the chain rest. Thank God. Um, <laughs> those are great tools in a warband. Uh, but this again to pair with all of that push tech, I have, we haven't even touched on uh, chilling grasp for my upgrade. Enemy fighters adjacent to this fighter cannot make move actions. Hold still. Restricted yes. to chain rasps. Yeah. So good. You get this chain rasp up there and you're just like, well, I need to get the heck out of here. And you throw this upgrade on and like, no. <laughs> Brian's uh, like, how many pushes did you bring? Because I brought more. Yep. <laughs> uh, and what I love uh, the art on this is like, well, what's chilling about that grasp? That, that's just a grasp. That's not a chilling grasp. You're just like picking up a... a goblin by his cloak you know but, i'm uh, glad you asked because that's a loon court goblin and i get chills seeing those guys get beat up on i <laughs> despise them <laughs> different type of chills but i mean i imagine if you were that goblin size and something floating ethereal picked you up i mean that'd be pretty chilly all right yeah yeah fair enough um, it's, it's chilling when this goes down and for three activate. So uh, like this goes down and then theoretically, you know, for two activations, you just have the sharpener. Shh. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Uh, I mean, as far as war bands go, like we're, we're wrapping this one up. Uh, I, I'm really excited to see these guys. I'm really excited to get a deep dive on these, uh, Brian, I know you're trying to focus on FLM, so I might steal oh, these are, guys out from under you. And, I uh, I love the design of these. I I gotta paint chaos. I rep chaos. These guys are so close second. If they hadn't come out in the same edition mm. or in the same uh, uh, season, whew, uh, by all means, I want to see what you do with them because they're so fun. I <laughs> can't echo that enough. Um, yeah, but. Funny enough, I have not seen Brian as excited about a warband um, since Dread Pageant as he is for this warband. So it feels it feels a little weird, almost, you know, hearing him say, "No, no, I'm, I'm focusing on Ephilim because this one yeah. he hasn't been able to, uh, you know, hold his excitement in uh, about how much he likes this warband." Well, gentlemen, that leaves us with just one more thing in the new releases, and that is, uh, I'm going to just say it, the weirdest of the, uh, the four things that we are covering here in our, in our brief overview of the deluge of releases, and that is the Void Curse Thralls Rivals deck. Uh, Skylar, you've been our point man on this. Uh, why don't you give us the kind of overview of this? Maybe some theme and the plot card. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna take a um, page out of Brian's book here, and I'm gonna read for you, uh, our dear listeners, the Void Curse Thralls. You're gonna uh, read the art card. card? The- <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, the art card reads rad <laughs> so good. Uh, yeah, so- weirdly, weirdly, there is a full full card art uh uh inclusion in here which yeah totally totally awesome agree i yeah. 
genuinely hope we see more of this. Yeah, totally. There was, is it Ephilim? Uh, I think Ephilim has their plot card on the backside of their, like, here's the cards that come in the deck. And I would, like, I remember seeing that. I'm like, lame. Like, I wish that <laughs> yeah. these were two separate yeah. Uh, cards. Yeah. Uh, so, with no further ado, the Void Curse Thralls. A curious affliction has been observed in Weird Hollow. Loosed Realm Shaper energies strike living creatures and alter them to some unknown purpose. More sinister still, those affected appear to lose their volition, becoming vessels for power and will not their own. While little is known about these emotionless, void-cursed thralls, what is certain is that they are entirely devoted to their mysterious cause for going sleep, safety, and in some cases, survival. Those who seek to prevent or defeat them risk falling prey to the same cosmic hex, their flesh being slowly claimed by the star-dotted blackness of the void itself until they are a little more than silhouettes and um i think this deck does an incredible job of leaning into exactly what is written there yeah so uh to jump into our next piece uh we have their plot card uh so a quick breakdown of that is um so, so this is uh, plot locked. Um, so for championship, that matters, right? Because at this point in time, um, if you want to pick a card from here, that means you're going to forgo cards from uh, Tooth Claw, Daring Delvers, and Fearsome Fortress, mm-hmm. um, which I think is rather interesting. Um, it's what, a big ask because there's some good stuff in there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, so um, if you're... Um, rocking Void Curse Thralls, it comes with this plot card. Um, it defines first Void Cursed. Uh, at the start of a round, if there are no friendly fighter, or sorry, if there are no friendly surviving Void Cursed fighters, choose one surviving friendly fighter. The chosen fighter is Void Cursed. And then um, before I kind of break that down, uh, I'm going to continue to define what uh, being Void Cursed means. Uh, Void Curse Fighters cannot make actions other than move actions, attack actions, and charge actions. So limited to those three actions when activating. Um, Void Curse Fighters cannot make range three plus attack actions. Uh, Void Curse Fighters cannot be driven back. And Void Cursed Fighters have a defense characteristic of one shield or block. Um, and actually, I just realized as I was running this down that um, that that middle clause there, uh, void curse fighters cannot make uh, actions other than move actions, attack actions, and charge actions. There's a rule in the rule book that talks about it can and cannot, um, and cannot always wins over can when it is uh, being delivered to you from a card. Um, so. Like if the rule book says cannot and a card says can, it wins, right? Because cards win over the rule book. But Mm. when two cards are telling you can and cannot, cannot wins. So I I made a point as I was running that down to say that Void Curse Fighters cannot make um, move, attack, or charge actions when activated. But really, 
it's not limited to when they're activated. It they straight can't do it at all. Um, mm. There's no card. Also, that, even uh, yeah, there's no card that can break that rule for them because the cannot that this plot card uh, is bringing is winning. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. Um, and my favorite bit about this. So uh, the sepulchral guard finally don't rely on the tokens, and but they can't make a move if they're avoid curse thrall. No, they can make a, they can make a move. They can make a move. Just uh, uh, just don't void curse the sepulchral warden. Exactly. Uh, uh, yeah. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. Um, and my favorite bit about this pot card, and I think um, you know, as we kind of dive into the deck, you'll you'll see why. Um, because is that the the first bit there um, at the start of a round, if there are no surviving friendly void curse fighters, choose one surviving friendly fighter and make them void cursed. Um, so you're going into every round um, with a guaranteed voice void cursed fighter at the start of that round. And you're going to hear the word void cursed a lot, by the way, as we run this down. Um, I think that's, really great and something that these keyword puzzles um kind of miss out on sometimes is that they can't guarantee uh at the beginning of every round that you will have that keyword in play um but this goes that that step to make sure that you will Mm. yeah so as an example i want to i think this question may be valuable to listeners that may be confused on what actions can or can't be taken so if uh and the exiled dead are playing against void cursed or if they are playing with the void cursed deck a one of the zombies if they are void cursed they can only move attack or charge right right but if deantelos tells them to do the dance they can still do that well right, so because Dintelos, Dintelos, as long as Dintelos is not void cursed. Right. But if Dintelos is void cursed, then he can't do his dance action yeah. because he could only move charge or attack. Exactly. Okay. I, I understood that. I just wanted to point that out to listeners that may be questioning. So, And that last caveat of the void cursed fighters have a defense characteristic of one block. Like that really kind of influences what warbands are going to be looking at this. If you're a warband that really wants to live or die on your two defense dice, oof, then maybe this is a tough, tough, uh, tough pick for you. Agree. Right. But uh, we'll know more about that that once we uh, take a look at the cards. So when taking a look at these cards, um, as the point man on this deck, I would like uh, both Davey and Brian to take a pick first uh, when we're discussing favorites. So with that, I'm stealing the wheel. And Davey, would you uh, tell me what your favorite objective is here? Well, that's... uh... That's a tough one, but I think I'm going to go with Gathered Thralls. Um, this is a two-glory surge. It's a duel. Score this immediately after an opponent's activation step. If three or more Void-Cursed fighters are adjacent to each other and one or more of those fighters are enemy fighters, and this feels like Scrum from the Beast Grave era. It's purely positioning plus a little bit of application uh, the deck has some ways to turn the enemy uh, warband into void cursed. Uh, I am really, really interested in how this deck operates. Like, 
it has a goal card. Maybe one of you will pick, but uh, like this idea of like, I don't, I just, it's this crazy, like you talked about, like this void curse thing in the thematics uh, you're you're spreading this infection, and this one does that. Uh, I love a two glory positioning surge. I actually don't know if this is good or not, but I really want to investigate it. Brian, what other objective in this deck did you enjoy? Uh, beside uh, Skylar's unwitting stance, uh, I chose unwitting guardians. Score this in an end phase if one or more friendly void cursed fighters are on a feature token. Mm. Uh, for one glory end phase, uh, seems pretty simple. You get a void curse right out the gate, uh, stand them on a feature token, reliable glory. Um, seems like a safe pick. Fair enough. Skylar, you're, you're a point man on this one. What did you like? Yeah. Uh, so when we had Josh uh, earlier on the episode, we were able to tackle four cards in an episode. So, uh, <laughs> oh wow, with you that, dirty dog. <laughs> with that in mind, I'm going to tackle three and four here. Uh, All right. So uh, first, I want to point out their goal card, um, as Davey referenced earlier, uh, is reshaped realm. Uh, mm. Score this in an end phase if each surviving fighter is void cursed. So. That's uh, your friendly and your enemy fighters, all void curse for glory. Yeah, I Old. think a floor, I think a four glory end phase is enough for you to like consider this being like. Well, maybe I build a deck around this. Like that is woof spicy. Agree. Um, I love this as a goal card. I think it's, I mean, it's certainly going to be better against elite war bands. Yep. I think when this scores, it's going to be so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Does, does this go in uh, Davy's bucket list uh, score items? Already did. Nice. <laughs> Perfect. Well, um, my other choice here um, is tipping points. Um, mm, so, tipping yep. point, I actually don't think this is a good card, but it is one that I wanted to <laughs> highlight um, because it's a favorite. Um, I think it's um, a really interesting card and narratively. Uh, again, that's been grabbing me lately, uh, at least with this uh, full set of releases. Um, I think we should definitely say for the narrative on this, each of the flavor texts, if there is flavor text on these cards, is a journal entry in a scientist studying this void curse. Ooh, and yeah. Really fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, if you're not familiar with uh, the scholar Tynus von Artsen, you're going to be. <laughs> He's going to yeah. make sure of it. Spoiler alert. I don't think any of us have heard of him before this deck, but that's a question for the story phase. Yeah. Uh, but uh, tipping point in particular, this is a surge. Um, and it really tells a story within this uh, 32 card deck. Uh, score this immediately after an activation step. If there are more surviving void cursed fighters, than surviving fighters that are not void cursed. Happily mm. named. I love the idea, the the indiscriminacy here of uh, it's not about your war band or my war band. It's about the amount of void cursed among us, and um, I'm pushing this game plan towards the void cursed. Can you like hold back? Can you keep this mortal coil, you know, yeah. for yourself? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's cool. Really dig it. And uh, in the art, 
uh, we have the uh, Elethane Soul Raid already succumbed uh, to the Void Curse. And the crab <laughs> jumped, <laughs> jumping over the line. Trying to, yeah. Trying, trying, to, to, trying to smoke Aubrin, <laughs> which is way rude. Yeah. Yep. So that mm-hmm. uh, that would be my favorite entry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, on that note, I think the art is amazing in these cards and it really helps communicate. Like if you're just listening to this, like go take a look at the art on this card and it's going to really help kind of communicate the idea behind this deck. Like it's, right. it's really something else. Each, each of the zombies aren't just uh, zombified. They are uh, covered over with a star map like static. Yeah. Um, and some of the flavor text even calls out that there's a thrumming sound whenever yeah. one is near. So like it could really build like an atmospheric uh, creep to it. Lo- love yep. that. Yeah. Uh, circling back to their goal card. Um, the, the flavor there is some regions of weird hollow have fallen near silent save for the thrum uh, of the void cursed. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so I'm curious if somebody really like finds a warband that clicks with this uh, this this nemesis deck. After and we let's, were... let's circle back around to that. Yeah, in, absolutely. In a bit. Agree. So uh, on that, note, Brian. Oh yeah, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> Brian, <laughs> go ahead. What? And <laughs> what? Give us your favorite gambit. <laughs> My favorite gambit is going to be the bestest gambit, and the gambit that this warband is going to be praying for to come up. Uh, void cursed assault. Oh, you dirty dog! Yeah. <laughs> Each friendly void cursed fighter makes the following attack action. Reactions cannot be made during this attack action. Range one, two hammers, one damage. Reshape, reshape. If this fighter, if this attack action succeeds, the target is void cursed. Bad touch. <laughs> this card just reads fun to me. <laughs> I just so, I just love how big a like the 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 big moments, the great moments with this are going to be so big and so great. Right. Okay. Uh yeah, so <laughs> it's it's crazy. It's almost like old school exiled dead. Uh yeah. all of your fighters make this attack action and yeah. they don't get to react. So it's like old school eggs out that pre-beta rule where the reactions didn't happen. Um well and it <laughs> upgrades apply. Like if you have great strength, that applies. If you Ooh. have fighter ferocity, if you have dark parasites, all that stuff applies on this. Yeah. Oof. Oof. Yeah. This card you have a- accuracy upgrades. Oh my god. This card's yeah, a blast. Man. And at minimum, you're going to have one fighter each round that's going to be able to take advantage of this. And if you yep. funneled those upgrades into that fighter to, yep. yeah, to give those plus damages, oof, oof. Out of out of sequence attack actions. Those are good, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I've heard. Uh, Walter, yeah. we need those. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Davey, up next, uh, what's your favorite gambit? Yeah, so uh, what I really like about the design on this deck is uh, it has way, like you have to balance this, like how much effort do I am I going to put into making people void cursed versus how many ways am I going to capitalize on people being void cursed. And one of the ways you can capitalize on it is with uh, 
forced movements. This is choose a friendly void cursed fighter, make one move action with the chosen fighter. Wild. Like you can have charge, you can use this to move somebody to safety. You can use this to move like somebody uh, into a position to make multiple attacks. Like you can really, there's a ton of stuff you can surprise with on here. Caveat being, you got to get them void cursed. And so uh, obviously you've always got somebody void cursed, but are you going to try to get more than one or how are you going to do that? Um, but uh, that's that's very uh, emblematic of a number of the gambits uh, in this deck, which are uh, choose somebody who's void cursed, do a very powerful thing with that person who is void cursed. Yeah, I think force movements is an incredible card. One of the things that elevates force movements again, um, and I, I mentioned this when I was reading through the plot card, right, is that every round, as long as you have a surviving friendly fighter, um, if you don't have a void cursed amongst them, you will going into yeah. the round. Yeah. Um, and I think that really brings something to this game plan and to considering this deck um, across uh, Nemesis and Championship. Yeah. Um, I suppose with that, um, I'll jump into uh, my favorite gambit uh, here, which is involuntary advance. So this card reads, choose a void curse fighter, push the chosen fighter one hex. And that is wild because um, you can choose an enemy void cursed. If you manage to set that up, you can choose a friendly void cursed. So this card is essentially flexibly and without range limitations, a distraction or a sidestep. Hmm. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> I love this card. Push tech is dope. Agree. Yeah, as well you should. Like the, the payoff for getting more Void Cursed out there on this is really high. And to that end, segue, uh, Reshaping Burst. Another gambit in this deck and one to their game plan. Um, choose a Void Cursed Fighter, roll a magic dice for each fighter within two hexes of the chosen fighter, and on a roll of a focus, that fighter is Void Cursed. And I wanted to bring this one up real quickly because um, just like Reshaped Realm, um, this is um, a really fun card towards their game plan. Um, this could be incredibly explosive, and in some games this could do nothing because um, it doesn't say that you know when you're rolling for that focus result that a crit is going to count uh it's not uh here so that brings it down to a third route um of the dice facings you know working towards you as you're trying to avoid curse out the people around your selected fighter um but you know selecting enough fighters the probability that one of them is going to happen pretty good and you know in some games that's just going to be memorably explosive yeah, uh, totally agree. Who uh, who do you think we're seeing on this card? Is this is this uh, Velas von Fane? I think so. Yeah. All right. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. I, if, I initially I thought it must be like one of the uh, uh, Blade Coven, but uh, on on further reflection, I thought I think it must be Velas. You from know, the, actually, 
thought it was vampire fangs i thought it was blade coven 2 and i was like where are those vampire fangs coming from so (laughs) the fact that you just threw velas out there i was just like well there goes the mystery for me (laughs) Uh, it's the shoulder guard too yeah Yeah, no you're just spot on all right. I originally thought one of the gods were in Hunt, like with the wild hair, but no Velas. You definitely don't know beat on that. God. Yeah. I clearly <laughs> do not know anything about God's Horn Hunt, nor do I care to. <laughs> and on that note, uh, we're going to skip Brian uh, and his uh, hot anti ballot anti battle mallet takes. Uh, and you got there eventually, folks. <laughs> no uh editing required uh i'll land it i will uh davy you're up next uh what is your favorite upgrade oof uh that is um that's a tough one so i i like uh, i like how they continue to uh like lean into this idea of like let's do some cards that either uh turn people into void cursed or benefit from having void cursed. Um, they have a, a surprising number of movement uh, tricks. And I, I think depending on the warband, you may in fact see some of these. Um, if, these are, I don't know, I'm sorry to, to waffle, but I, I, I think these are the reasons you might start to see this deck uh, taken over other ones. If you really want those movement shenanigans, um, and so, uh, I'm talking about like refashion priorities and yeah, this is a are. reaction. Use this after another fighter's move action or attack action. That's not another friendly fighter as any other fighters move action or attack action. If that fighter is not adjacent to this fighter, this fighter can make a move action that must end on a feature token that this reaction cannot be used more than once per round. Uh, this is an incredible reaction to use for warbands that care about standing on things. Um, and there's, there's kind of a partner one that um, is similar uh, refashion reactions. So I'm going to steal your, your two Skyler this time it's main. Uh, and that's uh, use this after another fighter's move action or attack action. If that fighter is not adjacent to this fighter, this fighter makes one move action that must end adjacent to one or more fighters. This reaction cannot be used more than once per round. Uh, that is incredibly flexible. That's uh, if a friendly or an enemy fighter has done a move or attack um, move and then end up adjacent to an enemy or a friendly uh, that is pretty spectacular. So those two can really uh, provide some pretty incredible shenanigans as far as positioning. Uh, and I think they, on their own, are a reason to maybe consider this as uh, your plat-locked uh, deck. I couldn't agree more. Those windows are yep. fantastic. Those abilities are fantastic. These cards slap. Uh, and I've stolen the good ones. I'm out. Bye. <laughs> All right. Sure. Well, before I um, deal with what's right, uh, what is left for me, Brian, you're up. Hey, Skyler, is uh, singular reshaping bad? Is singular reshaping bad? Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately it is. So- no, it's not. You're wrong. I read the card. <laughs> so right. instead of giving this card to a friendly fighter, you can pick an opponent. That opponent chooses a surviving fighter in their warband and gives this upgrade to that fighter. This fighter is void cursed. Why is it bad, Skyler? All right. So first off, I love that you're baiting me here because I want to love this card. Um, 
I love the idea of handing this over to your opponent, paying the glory and saying, all right, who are you going to put this on? Um, But the downside is I don't see any reason they couldn't equip it to an already void cursed fighter. Yeah. And that's the, that's the downside. If, if this is the first enemy fighter that you're um, getting cursed, absolutely. This card rocks. Um, But yeah, past the first this if your opponent um reads it uh and thinks about it for you know two seconds they're just going to put it on somebody who's already void cursed so So why would i give it to them uh i could just give it to my own fighter that's true i i think the reason that your opponent gets to pick who it goes on is actually because gathered thralls exists in this uh in this deck I think if you could pick as the player playing this um, and then set up gathered thralls for a, a two surge, I, I think uh, I think my guess is that someone playtesting, they were like, that feels like a little too feels bad. No, and, like uh, I, I, I totally get that the like if this comes out early round, give it to your opponent. They're just like, ah, I got to put it on somebody. Right. Yeah. You know, and then if they put it on somebody that uh they're happy with dying you just leave them and yeah. you keep targeting the other people uh sure, sure. Brian, for deaths. brian mm-hmm. what you blew my mind and yeah, I, I read the card eh? i want to make that perfectly known i read this card and all i could focus on was the fact that you were handing it to your opponent but brian uh-huh. yeah. is infamous for reading half a card uh, <laughs> uh notice the um in, the you can pick an opponent and you, yeah. you can use this as fuel on your own side and that you know yeah. what that yeah. that raises this card uh in my mind well yeah. done Woo. Woo. well good pick. And, but if if nothing else is a great one to highlight for this is a unique interaction like we've never yeah. seen the ability to upgrade an enemy fighter before uh i love it uh i would love to see this i'm just gonna put this out there uh, totally non sequitur, totally wild shot. Uh, if we see another Nurgle Warband, I would love to see the yeah. ability to upgrade enemy yes. fighters with like stuff that is like Nurgloid that is bad on enemy fighters, good on your fighters. Just putting that out there into the world. <sighs> Absolutely. I love that so much. I love that I so much. That. Uh, but I also want to call out energy converter uh reaction after this all right all right (laughs) reaction after this fighter's range one attack action takes an enemy fighter out of action heal one this fighter um restricted to void cursed and i bring this up because i want to talk about it later well Uh, i mean mean, we'll talk about it right now later later is now uh skyler has to give his his share no no let's break this no we've already done four you did i did two you did two he doesn't get any (laughs) okay (laughs) thrum thrum (laughs) i mean straight busted on a big fighter right like uh we've we've seen uh i think it was vampiric weapon all the way back in season one that was great on some of these. I like that this is down to a range one attack action. That that makes it uh, not as insane as it could be. I can't um, imagine um, how like the the stories that this card is going to bring to the table. Imagine fighting the um, exiled dead 
and running Mighty Swing, an energy converter. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're on a hope and a prayer. You're vulnerable, whoever you are, and you've got a range one attack. You run in with Mighty Swing, and you just execute, right? And you're going to heal after every no. one of those successful executions. Yeah. I was I'm, thinking I'm of a little this sur- on... Oh, go ahead. I was thinking of this on Molog. I'm, and... We'll talk about that later, but I, I was like, God, a large fighter, uh, if they're able to just smack you at range one. Uh, granted, most of them uh, usually prefer their range two attacks, uh, but Molong does have a range one scything, so uh, that could be a problem. I mean, that's where I come down on this is like they must have looked at this and said, if we make them have to be, uh, so it's restricted to void cursed and it has to be range one that's enough restriction because usually you see this sort of heal thing say like this doesn't work on large fighters. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think they must've decided there was enough. Yeah, but if I could just there. pick my uh, void curse fighter to be my large Rothgorn, his yeah. range one attack action is three damage. Like it's pretty good. Yeah. 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 It's good. It's cool. Um, I think this card is another reason people will choose this deck. And yeah. for, interesting for that yeah. alone. It excites me. Yeah. 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 No, this card's cool. Uh, we've, uh, Davey, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so as long as I've been in the game, I can't think of a heal trigger this good. Hmm. You mean on an upgrade? On an upgrade. Yeah, probably in the Beast Grave era. I don't think they've done something like this. Um, listeners, you're welcome to correct us on this. Uh, most of my memories are attached to uh, Shadespire Nightfall era cards, so <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that that are that are on this like level, really. Uh, and and I'm not saying this is busted. Uh, I I think they've made some great choices on how to restrict this. Um, but, I agree. Uh, I really yeah. really like the uh, void curse restriction here. I think that's really fun. Yep. Um, yeah, because here's the thing: like, if you want to put this on somebody. What you're not going to be able to do is power them up for like super powerful defensive because they're going to be stuck on one block and they can't have like mm. really rad actions because they see, can I was only worried about charge. See, I was worried about uh, Rothgorn being a problem, but I forgot that he will stay at one shield instead of being inspired to two shield. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I I think they they really um, uh, threaded the needle on this card. Yep. And there's an interesting space too, where if you're kind of leaning away from Void Curse, but still pick this as your plot um, deck, right? Where it's like every round you're kind of only hoping for about one Void Curse, uh, survive, you know, surviving friendly fighter. Um, there's a chance where if your current uh, Void Curse of the round goes down, and you're like, you know what? For this particular matchup, I want to salvage this. There's that option as well, um, sure. which I think is really interesting in championship. Just kind of exploring what bringing the Void Curse Thralls into your championship deck can do yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a it's a weird deck, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing it played. Uh, I think of any, I will say of any Rivals deck I've ever seen them put out, any Universal Rivals deck. This is the one I most want to see played as an entire deck, right? Same. Like, same, yeah, yeah, 
my initial thought was this is similar to toxic terrorism in the sense of like, well, it kind of relies on itself. So it feels more like a rivals deck where you start with this and then you add a warband that will complement it. And then you add uh, cards to this deck, but you're taking a bulk of these cards. I think toxic mm. terrors is like that because it relies so heavily on the poison keyword. Uh, this one may be a little less so, but you're still, if you're really going in on the mechanic of turning people uh, into void cursed uh, to try, if you're like actually trying to spread the zombie plague and get the whole board filled, because um, you can still target the fighters that aren't void cursed to kill them and remove them and just increase the percentage that is void cursed on the board. Sure, totally. Um, that feels very uh, space zombie. Yeah. <laughs> Agree. Uh, if you if you won't join us, die. Uh, well, and without um, diving back into um, card categories that we've already covered, um, there are two reliable surge or sorry, two reliable one glory end phase cards in this deck. Hyper reliable one glory end phase cards in this deck, um, and it's curious to see you know how much cards like that. Fit into tipping you over into considering this as your pot card in both Nemesis and Championship. Mm. Yeah. Um, feel free to check those out. Um, we got them sure. posted on our blog. Shameless plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I suppose even though four upgrades have been taken, um, there's actually a lot to talk about in the upgrade camp. So I'll, uh, I'll jump in and throw one more uh, at our listeners. Um, there is Thrallmaker, um, which uh, will help with your game plan, but it's not my pick. Check it out. Uh, my pick <laughs> <laughs> will be a wary warrior. Um, so torn between this one uh, and Unthinking Aid, both help with repositioning. But uh, the reason I'm going to hi- highlight a wary warrior is because um, it's a reaction after this fighter's activation. If this fighter is adjacent to one or more fighters, push this fighter one hex. After this push, uh, this fighter cannot be adjacent to another fighter. Um, I'm just largely a fan of things like Soundless Step and um, upgrades that provide you the ability to reposition after your activation. I find that there's a lot of flexibility in what they can do for you. And here with Wary Warrior, at a minimum, Sometimes this is all you need to force a charge or a gambit. Um, that gambit being like a push um, out of your opponent. I dig it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even more powerful if you have a range to attack. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that brings us to the end of uh, one of the stranger uh, rivals decks we've ever seen. And uh, to that extent, like, are many, many releases for these. Uh, Gentlemen, do you have any more thoughts on uh, Void Cursed Thralls here? Feels like X-Files in Warhammer Underworlds. Ooh. All right, I can't top that. Man, it has a very great marriage of theme with uh, gameplay uh, from what we've seen. Mm-hmm. So. I, I do want to talk briefly about war bands that we think would be a good pairing with this. When Ooh, I, I, yeah, I absolutely like that. almost forgot that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So um, one of the things I kept thinking of is like, how many war, how many fighters do I bring to this? If I'm trying to go full bore into spreading the sickness and making 
more void cursed thralls. I don't know how viable that is. And then uh, like how reliable it is to convert void cursed thralls. And then how many fighters do I bring? But then I was like, as we were going through this card and why I brought up energy converter is I think there's a lot of out of sequence actions, whether it be attack or move or push. Um, I'm wondering if we're going to see big boys really abuse this to really start swinging their large bulk and attacks around uh, using being void cursed and just using all these out of sequence abilities, relying less on the uh, infection mechanic and spreading the void curse, but more just using those actions and then supplementing a championship deck with uh, those out of sequence actions. Yeah. I mean, I think you bring up an interesting point, which is there's a kind of a couple ways to go about this. And one is to, uh, keep your warband count, like your fighter count low in your warband to uh, try to increase the percentage of fighters that are void cursed on the battlefield. And the other is to like uh, come with a bigger warband and leverage things like the uh, everybody who's void cursed attacks and potentially get like more attacks uh, because you have so many void cursed. So, yeah, I there isn't a format that I'm not excited to see explore Void Cursed Thralls. Um, from plugging in in, in Rivals to, you know, a variety of Warbands to merging it in Nemesis um, with, you know, I, I'd be curious to see what those splits look like, how much people lean into Void Cursed Thralls when they're splitting it with a Warband-specific deck to Championship. Do they bring um, a single card with them uh, to get access to the plot? Do they bring two, three, you know, um, this card or this rivals deck just has my juices flowing. I'm really excited about it. This feels like one of the most mad scientist uh, uh, enabling um, rivals decks that we've seen. Agreed. Absolutely. Wholeheartedly. Uh, I mean, even the flavor text. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, 100%. Oh, right? oh, on that, um, they've really been leaning into uh, card order 1 through 32, mm-hmm. and I cannot mm-hmm. recommend enough reading the descent to card 32 and reading card 32. <laughs> yeah, it's actually reading journal entries, and the it's actually got a story phase all on its own. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wonder if we'll learn anything more about... Um, this this strange strange guy who's (laughs) learning about this so so uh before we wrap it up um one warband i'm gonna limit you both to one warband um that you're excited to try or see tried paired with void curse thralls we're gonna start with brian what's your pick don't take mine i can find it i can find it in you do not betray me (laughs) Uh, I don't recall, but minus <laughs> Kanan's Reapers. Ooh, all right. You got the move mechanics with the uh, the the different guys shuffling with their uh, what is it called? Uh, more tech advance, and then you got Kanan. I'm gonna make Kanan my void curse to begin with. I'll either use the Mortex to shield him and just keep him going, or you can use the Mortex to get up in their grill. If the Mortex really start popping off and get going viral, 
um, then I might start really going in the infection. But I think I'm going to, I, my inclination is to abuse the out of sequence actions first. All right. All right. I like that. Davey, where are you at? Oof. Uh, I waffled for a while here. Um, I think, uh, I think I'm going to go with or chosen. Um, I think, I think I like, I think I like the idea of experimenting with a low fighter war band. Uh, they got enough health to stick around. Um, they do have the health and they don't really get off one block anyways. Yeah. So the, yeah. the not naturally inspiring plus pass yeah. one block defense. Yeah. So yeah, they, wow. they don't suffer from that one block and then not being driven back is actually kind of a cool <laughs> yeah. thing for them too. So, and also um, Drom, you just don't void curse him and you can still use his enrage mechanic. Well, and going back to the heal thing, like Gorholk, if Gorholk could just like slamming people and healing yeah. on the fly, like yeah, I think there's something there. So, so again, big boy abuse. Yeah. 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 Interesting. What about you, Skylar? Well, uh, my pick does come with drawbacks, um, but I would pick the Cunning Crew. Ooh. One of the reasons I picked the Cunning Crew is because they have a surge that uh, went uncovered by us, um, but a surge talks about... Um, yeah, let me take a look at it real quick. Um, lashed into motion. Uh, score this immediately after the third or subsequent uh, move action made by a friendly... <laughs> Oh, yeah, there it is. Yep. Yeah. I I think that would be a fantastic surge with them, right? Um, and, you know, I was thinking about it. You could even um, just cheekily, you know, anytime anybody else is doing something, you could have a fighter just dancing around manic. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah. Just scoring. 100%. That for you. Just yep. if you want a free glory, just sprint one of those uh, little minions around manoc on your first one. Yep. That's worth a glory. Yep. So, oh boy! <laughs> so that would be my primary pick. I mean, uh, Manic and Torka—they also like the Gore Chosen. Don't have to worry about moving off of uh, one block. Um, it does if you know you're void cursing, uh, Gicket Shank or Kirkran. Um, yeah, that's that's substantial. Yeah, but, you're curving yeah. their their you know um, inspire, but you know, can you spare one of them? I think you can. Yeah. yeah. And you don't have to start there. And also, like, having... Because you can't do range three attacks with those. So, I guess uh, Shank is in trouble until you get him a upgrade if you void curse him, but don't. I mean, Shank um, is garbage to begin with. If uh, I mean, Shank is garbage for attacks, but Shank is uh, super money for supporting. So, like, just make him one of the last void cursed. But having You're void fair. cursed range two fighters for those things that are like, because there's some things in there, like if you attack somebody, they become void cursed as well. Uh, you can really leverage that off of uh, your boss and Torka. Yeah. By the way, I'm letting uh, words like garbage loose right now because <laughs> we're, you know, filming back to back off the uh, trash fire tournament here. We are. We are. And speaking of which, it's getting late. So we're going to wrap it up shortly here. Yeah. I'm going to throw it out for any last thoughts on any of these new releases here. Yeah. One final thought uh, from me is that um, the battle mallet podcast um, also has a um, format where they make sure to cover their favorite cards. And I recommend 
um, checking out their coverage when it releases for these same decks and uh, seeing what they think about the Nemesis format uh, with these decks because they're definitely going to focus on those and hearing what their favorites are. They might have some overlap. They might not. Curious where that overlap is. Uh, love to hear about that overlap. I'm definitely going to check out their episode myself. Um, and where the similarities lie, what their justification is for those similarities. Yeah, totally. Yeah, It's going to be a good and, take. And we have a card-by-card card breakdown in our blog. Uh, we each split up each deck. So you might get uh, different takes on each deck, but we tried to pick something that we were really fired up about. I know I would have had to struggle through Far Striders. Uh, <laughs> yeah. To check out the blog. Because you're a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> Sue well, me. <laughs> and and uh, to jump off of Brian there, our leads uh, for this content, uh, Void Curse Thralls was yours truly. Far Striders was Phil. Sepulchral Guard Josh, uh, hence why we were able to grab him early on uh, for that coverage. And Hesman was Brian. Uh, Davey, our sweet, sweet editor, and uh, the one to come in and let us know that our takes are bad. <laughs> and we're doing him a favor. We're recording two episodes back to back. He's got four weeks to work on this one. Uh, yeah. No, I don't. Be- well, that's behind. Just <laughs> getting edited out. I don't have four weeks on this. Because uh, we're gonna have to drop this a week after the other one. Oh, <laughs> baby, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, right. Davey. Uh, also, if you're uh, not a blog reader like I, I can barely read the cards. Uh, then <laughs> you could also check out Pat the Glory for their card by card coverage of every release. They uh, don't know how they do it, but uh, kudos to them. You know what? I uh, want to jump on that with a shout out real quick. Um, I was recently uh, on a road trip and had the opportunity to catch up on some podcast content and their Weird Hollow review um, was unique uh, and had great energy behind it. Um, they even dove into the boards and I really appreciated that. That's cool. All right. Well, thanks, fellas. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here, though. As always, if you want to reach out to us, the best place is on Discord. We have our own. You can get us there. If that doesn't work for you, you can get us on Twitter at, at WTHCast or uh, on email at whatthehexcast at gmail.com. Uh, there's lots of Mortal Realms content from the Greater Network. You can check that out at themortalrealms.com. Uh, coming up, we are going to try to take a different spin on that starter set and uh, bring on a returning or new player and uh, uh, kind of record their experience with that um, TBD exactly how that's going to be uh, determined. Um, August 13th championship tournament, Noble Knight Games, Fitchburg, Wisconsin. Oh my Come gosh. On down. Filming two episodes back to back. We almost forgot to mention that. Please. We- August, <laughs> August 13th. August 13th. 13th <laughs> championship. Mad it's going to be great. Throwdown Q3. Uh, Chicago we land. Get your butts up here. Yeah. Once we work our way through some of this, see uh, some of this new content, we are looking to uh, do some uh, championship coverage, which we haven't had a chance to do in a while. Um, gentlemen, can I interest you in a Flavatex quiz? Oh, please do. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> this is a quote attributed to one of my main men from uh, this uh, this past weekend or a little further away. Uh, that would be Aubrin the Bold. Quote, did they always look like that? I know exactly what card this is. Brian, <laughs> do you want to shout at this? Uh, spoilers, it's from Void Curse Thralls. 
Oh. Yeah, I don't. I don't it's know. Forbidden Thralls. Yes. And to add to that, I would like to call out that they uh, he is known as Oberyn the Bold, not Oberyn the Observant. <laughs> <laughs> Oberyn the Bro with Knockback. Uh Yes, uh, you are correct. Well done. Uh, our recommended listening for this episode is Vide Noir, and it's by Lord Huron. And for what the heck, I've been Davey. And I've been Skyler. I've been Brian. Gambit unchanged essentially from its uh, original incarnation. Ooh, that's not that's not correct. Is it not? Uh, so it it took two nerfs, one direct and one indirect. Uh, so the direct is it's now limited to adjacent fighters. Was it uh, not adjacent before? It was not. Oh. It was just taken out of action. Okay. Uh, and the indirect nerf is there have been some pretty. Uh, I mean. Not sub, not too substantial, but broad uh, defensive upgrades. So f- fighters are going to go down less often. Fair enough. Sorry for the uh, um actually moment there. <laughs> got, got me good. You <laughs> yeah, no, I like seeing Davey get schooled. <laughs> <laughs> Davey's like editing this out. <laughs> Just writing writing myself some notes for where to edit this out. This was a mistake. <laughs> and mute Josh's entire sound line. I mean, uh, only Josh would have been dumb enough to take it before. I don't know. Uh, uh, all right. Uh, yeah, as, as a Reaver player where their one was like for adjacent, I, I assumed everything was as bad as that. But uh, anywho... Uh,